Hey world, and welcome back to the Shape of a Star podcast, where everyone has a story, we just need to shape it so that, like, where the star or something like that. And I put emphasis on back, because look, people, people follow their word. When our guest today said he'd happily come back, it may have been a while, but they're back. So, everyone, welcome back again for their reprise, reprise. However you say it, apparently reprise is the right way. I like reprise. Go with it. Merman Jax. Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be back on the Shape of Star podcast. So thank you for having me again. No problem. Thank you so much. Like, there was so much I learned about you last time that we had to expand on. So I was like, all right, cool. Holding you to yeah. this. Yeah, oh, you I love it. I, I'm excited to be here. You always ask such fresh, good questions. And I'm ready to be engaged and surprised because you are one of the few interviewers who's caught me by surprise with some of your questions, which I appreciate. So Wow. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that much, but uh, a couple people after you have said I'm great question generators. So I'm like, yes, we're winning people. Yeah. You're doing great. So I'm here. So yeah. And you're going to be like episode number like, Oh God, what episode? Because we've come a long way since you were last on. For those who don't know who Merman Jax is or remember what we're at, Merman Jax was episode two. <laughs> was I really? Yeah. I don't know if I knew that. Oh yeah, you were like part of the debut. Oh, that's like, exciting. Very honored to be so. Yeah, and now you are episode... F okay, because we have the Hot Topics episodes, everyone, like... He's not technically this episode number, but you will be the 49th episode. Congratulations. You're right at 50. That's yeah, amazing. Thank you. I didn't know that. I just learned <laughs> how to pull up my files and do the control shift click because uh, <laughs> I'm not counting. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, technically, yes. numerically, you're episode 37.5, but 49. There you go. I'll take it. All right. So, let's go through this now how are you i am good it's been a minute since we touched base but i've been good and just kind of working on a lot of projects that haven't debuted yet or haven't been released yet so just kind of waiting on a bunch of good exciting stuff but kind of just laying low and working and it's been good how have you been i God, wait okay i'm trying to remember when was the last time we spoke uh no June? no new major okay uh, well, that's the... Oh, wait, no, we're, we'll get actually. I'll answer that when we come up to the actual time jump. <laughs> so, but, okay, so you took the social media break for a while, kind of like right after we last spoke um, with this, like, quote big. To me, it was big because I was yeah. like, wow, this is very thought out, like Instagram post. I sent you an email to reach out and you sent like literally the sweetest reply that actually meant a lot to me. And I just wanted to publicly say thank you, because even though your email was a thank you back to me, the things you said, I was so touched by. No, I, I meant every word and just, you know, it's so easy to forget to express gratitude and to say, you know, thank you for having me do this. Thank you for being in touch. Thank you for supporting and checking in. It's really, really nice because sometimes you can find out when you pull back from certain things and you are quote unquote less useful to people, people kind of disappear from your life. 
So, and you know, you had already gotten a podcast with me. So you could have been like, I'm done with this fool, <laughs> but you kept in touch and you've been wonderful and supportive. And that definitely doesn't go unnoticed. So thank you. Aww. Thank you. Yeah, no. Um, the way I see everyone's episodes, I'm like, guys, we have evidence that we've spoken. We're friends now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's what's so great about, I mean, and they can't see us, but I was like, oh, I can be informal. I don't have to super dress up to chat because this is, you know, this is someone I trust and I like. So that is a testament as well. So. Ooh, look at that. How many of you can <laughs> say a mirror person likes you? Ha. See? Uh, <laughs> No, kindness goes a long way, people. Go with the mm -hmm. world's go world goes the makes the world go round. Wow, you know what? Whatever. Flat <laughs> joke. I get it. It's okay. Okay, but can you last believe we spoke on oh my god, I typoed this actually. June twenty second was right, but it was not twenty twenty two. It was twenty twenty one. That's what I thought when I saw that. I was like, did we just talk this year? And I was like, have I really lost such concept of time? So that makes more sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it has been literally like what 15 months since we spoke. Yeah. Yeah. Since we spoke on the podcast. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Like in actuality, one of like I had a coworker that had two babies. Like <laughs> lots have happened. People have created children in the time we haven't spoken online. <laughs> More than one. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, for me, what's new for me is that I've just been trucking along with this. Um, something we'll get into later, actually, is on the upcoming Horizon, and I'm excited because you do have the true expertise. I'm excited to know what that's about when, you know, you're ready to let the world know about it. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, so it's June 22nd of 2021 when we last spoke. Today is October 8th, 2022, people, so if something happens in between this and when this airs... <laughs> Don't go after Merman Jacks. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. He's fragile. No. <laughs> <laughs> but so something new that actually happened to you is that you had an article written about you and your fellow merfolk in the LA Times. Yeah. And that was really exciting. I'm really honored. And just I knew I was a part of an article, but I didn't know when it came out that I would kind of be the lead intro and have the most photos. And I was very, very flattered because... I understand my industry and know that I usually have to play second fiddle to a female presenting merfolk. And the fact that it was me and as a person of color, as a gay person of color, I thought it was really, really cool. And the whole article is great with, you know, Sammy, my great friend, and talk about the California Mercon and Mermaid Rachel. And just, it was a great article. I was just shocked that I was like the thumbnail for a lot of the article. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Because I didn't even realize that the Los Angeles Times is not the biggest circulation, is the, oh, I'm going to mess this up. Oh, I know exactly what you mean, because I learned it like right yesterday, right after I read the article, because I saw someone post the comment. Um, yeah. It's the largest metropolitan daily newspaper in the country. I don't know that. So very, very honored. And it was very cool. I do have to tell you a funny thing. I was supposed to actually have a photo shoot with the LA Times. And Ooh. it was so tricky because they wanted to do video and schedules and conflicting and this and that. And so we finally set up a date to do some photos at the beach at 6.30 a.m. 
So considering all the stuff I have, because we wanted the sunrise light. And I was about to say, is the sun up yet? <laughs> to get down to the beach and get in tail and get all prepped, like right around 7, it could be some nice golden hour stuff. But I got up at 3 a.m. that day because it's like building a boat to get ready and load the car and get out to the beach and all the things. And so I got out to the beach at 6.30 with my wonderful assistant, Mermaid Wrangler Photography. And the photographer messages me and says, oops, I thought it was 6.30 p.m. Oh. And I was like, oh my goodness, did I get up at 3 a.m. to get to the beach and they're not even here? So his call sheet had an issue with accidentally put p.m. And I was like, it could never have been p.m. because the sun would basically be down at that point. Right. So it was definitely one of those moments where I was like, oh, I'm too old for this. But it ended up working out because I got to submit amazing photos from, you know, Mermaid Durango Photography. And I think that really helped me get kind of the lead of the article because they're amazing photos from a trusted photographer. So that was a bit of a, that was a thing though, getting up 3 a.m. getting ready and getting all jazzed up. And then it's like, oops, there's no photo shoot. And I was like, oh, that was rough. So what did you do? Because you're already all jazzed up. Exactly. And I was in the car with, you know, Mermaid Rain Photography. And I was like, okay, I'm kind of not sure what to do. Because this poor guy got dragged out of bed too to help me. And he knew that I was pretty anxious, wasn't sure what to do. He said, hey, it's fine. He said, what would you do if I was in the car with you? And I said, I would drive my ass back home. <laughs> and he said, you know what, let's just do that. And so we just went to my house and we kind of chatted and just caught up for a bit. And it was just nice to see him. But I just, you know, the shoot just didn't happen and it wasn't meant to happen. I think everything happened the way it was supposed to, which is good. But it was still like... You know, I'm an early riser, but 3 a.m. is is pushing it a little bit. <laughs> no, I feel that uh, as a yeah. morning person as well. But no, I would have been like, okay, let me take a few selfies because you did the make. I assume you did your makeup and stuff already. You know, I had a face on, not a full face, but it was just, you know, I was like, oh, man, if I don't have to shoot today, maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> just, so we just didn't shoot and we have another shoot set up. But it was just one of those times where I was like, I think I just need to head back home and there's other stuff I need to work on. So it worked out and the article is wonderful. And they took some, some funny liberties with some of the writing, nothing majorly wrong, but just, I didn't say that, or I don't think that was what I meant. <laughs> just nothing major, but just little things like that. Good to know so. as we proceed with the questions about the article, because I thought there was some fascinating like quotes in there. <laughs> There's some good stuff, but it's funny because when news publications pick up a pre-existing story, sometimes they get translated for their newspapers and things like that. And there's this one article from a different news company that is in English, but it's written like it was translated into another language and then translated again. So one of my quotes I do say is, oh, it doesn't matter who you are, people turn into kids when they see you as a mer person. That was roughly the article, or that was roughly the quote. Mm -hmm. In the translated version, it said, people turn into babies when they see me. <laughs> and I was like, that's that's not what I said. I didn't say people turn into babies when they see me. So I'm joking. I was like, yes, my sea witch prowess is very strong. I turn people into babies, apparently, when they see me. So, yeah. Better to turn into them, make them pop them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And just, there was another quote that I said something about landing acting gigs. And somehow it translated into... Something like he was pursuing analog buggies, and I was like, "What does that mean?" <laughs> and I had to cross reference the article, and I was like, "I was talking about acting gigs," and it was just—it's funny the translations of the articles. It's—I appreciate it, but it's just 
I don't think people turn into babies when they see me, as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's fact check this quote, everyone, together. Okay, so yeah. there's a quote in the article I wanted to point out that if there's a fire alarm, I won't be able to get out of here. <laughs> Isn't that great out of context? I mean, because what I was talking about people who may not be able to read the article, there is a paywall and the physical article hasn't come out yet in papers. Uh, Sammy's oh. been great in checking every day to see when it comes out, but it hasn't come out apparently yet. But what I was discussing was putting on my silicone tail for the first time. And this was, you know, 10 years ago, the knowledge of how to put on tails is not what it is now. You're kind of on your own back then. Mm -hmm. So just the whole process of I didn't know to use lubricant. And I was using just plain old water to slip in that tail. So it was painful and it took forever. And then once I got the tail on, of course, I dried up and I was like, I don't know how to get out of this. It is skin tight. And of course, I'm trapped on the floor exhausted. And so I did think, uh-oh, if the fire alarm goes off, I can't get out of here. So that's the quote, but I love out of context how silly it sounds. Well, the reason why that quote stood out to me is because people, I say that to people all the time, actually. Like, when people are like, oh, let's do this. I'm like, I'm absolutely not right now because if something goes off, I'm running out of here and I'm not saving you. And you need exactly. to be able to save yourself. <laughs> Exactly. It's like, you're smart enough to get out. I believe in you. You can do it. But yeah, trapped in the tail the first time, I was like, please let me not have to get up or get out or anything right now because I don't know what to do or how I will explain this. Could you imagine <laughs> firefighters carrying me out in the tail? That, would have, that might have made the LA time sooner. I was going to say I may have gotten the paper way sooner. Maybe it was a missed opportunity. Yeah. I mean, Hugh Jackman saved Zac Efron's life because of The Greatest Showman. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Well, have you seen the movie? You know what's so funny? I haven't seen the movie, and I own, like, half the soundtrack, and everyone's like, you should probably see it at some point. And it just is on the list, and I haven't watched it yet. But I know it's on Disney+, Plus, so mm -hmm. at some point I have to watch it. Okay, well, I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but there is a scene where Hugh Jackman has to carry Zac Efron out of, like, a burning Situation. area. Okay. Yeah, and... They couldn't put out the fire in real life. <laughs> I mean, it happens. I mean, I guess there's worse things than being carried out by Hugh Jackman, right? So. Right. <laughs> so, oh, something else, by the way, in the article that drove me bonkers when I read it <laughs> is that you're 40. I am. I am. I mean, it's literally one of those things where I gave my 30s to this profession, for sure. Because I've been doing this about a decade, so it's like my 30s have been fully invested in this profession. And if you look at a lot of the OGmers, which I don't consider myself an OGmer, I'm kind of like level B OG. But, you know, <laughs> if you're looking at people, they're in their 40s or 50s. And it's just these are people who took a lifetime to really hone their craft and really have their head around the business side of things, which unfortunately a lot of people don't. And I just know at this point in my career, I'm able to balance and navigate this world so much more effectively than if I started when I was like 21. So even though it's sometimes tricky to see, you know, new young kids come down the pipeline, coming after your job, literally right behind you <laughs> with a knife, I still know what I bring, what my experience is. And, you know, I'm very proud of my resume and portfolio and that took 10 years to do so yeah no that makes total sense it also makes total sense because of our last conversation and you talked about it in the article too about before you went into merlife you were 
trying to become an actor and you were getting like typecasted into things. And I was trying to yeah. think because I'm like, okay, everyone, when people typically move out to LA to do acting, mm-hmm. it takes them, it's not usually fast that people lose hope and feel that they're typecasted. It takes like a while. Yeah. So when reading that now thinking about it as you're saying you dedicated your 30s i was like oh that makes a lot of sense that like you had your acting stint and like the normal amount of time i just thought you were mature and real fast (laughs) thank you i appreciate that but yeah it's so funny just to think about that i was working as an actor and model back in la when i first moved here and even you know i had a part not a major part i had a part in constantine the film keanu reeves that got cut and now that he's making a second film you know people are joking like oh you're gonna reprise your role and i was like i wish i got cut (laughs) but like i would love to have been in the film again but yes i had a small part in constantine that was cut which is a bummer because you never know until you see the movie and then your scene passes and you go oh they cut me (laughs) so you know what was your scene are you allowed to say i assume you're allowed yes. to say yeah i mean i wasn't even in the film at this point but it was in the scene where he goes to the underground like supernatural creatures club and myself another guy we were sexy demons and we were kind of all over keanu reeves like oh come play with us come dance with us and i think it got cut because it was too gay back then and even the fact that in the comics constantine is notoriously kind of pansexual yeah that was something they did pull from the first movie but yeah like i can see my arm in some of the scenes but we were like all over the wonderfully handsome keanu reeves and he's like oh no no i gotta go and it was a cute scene but they did cut it so so you technically can reprise your role or reprise again world however you say you're right i didn't know it was reprise i've always said reprise so that was good to know because i think it's better but (laughs) (laughs) but you you can claim any arms yours and be like that's me i mean what's so funny too is that i only had a couple of big air quote roles and they both got cut and the other one i don't remember if we talked about this before was the matrix 2 i was in and so basically people were like, were you stalking Keanu Reeves? And I was like, apparently it looks like at that point I was only working Keanu Reeves movies, but I was in the city of Zion. I was one of the people born outside of the Matrix in the Matrix 2, but all of my scenes got cut because that was when, rest in peace, Aaliyah was in the film. So they had to reshoot all of those scenes. So like when the movie came out, I could totally tell it was a different set of people and different this and that because it was a different actress. And I was like, oh man, I got cut out of that one too. But those were still some of the coolest experiences of my life. Matrix 2, dancing in the underground city of Zion, which wasn't as CGI as people think. They built an entire cave and a hangar and there were hundreds if not thousands of us. So when you're in that scene, it was very, very real. You were hot and sweaty and dancing and blaring, you know, pagan music. That was all very, very real. And it was pretty cool, even if I did get cut. Okay, how tall are you? (laughs) How tall am I? I am 5'10". Okay, so it's not like you're even, like, super close to his height. I just Googled how tall Keanu Reeves is, everyone, (laughs) 6'1". He's 6'1". Because... Now, that's a whole thing about acting I always think about. Um, people are like, you would be so good. I'm like, first of all, there's not roles for me. Second of all, I'm a horrible actor. It t- it's a craft. <laughs> I don't got it. Um, typecast me as an ensemble dancer with no lines behind, maybe. Um, <laughs> but I'm also 5'5", five five and I'm too short to stand next to most people in frame. 
I mean, you know, they make it work for Tom Cruise and stuff and all the short people. People are surprised how many actors are actually very, very short or even just normal height because they just look like amazing, huge presences on screen. I mean, I remember I used to think Angelina Jolie was incredibly, incredibly tall. And then when I was at the Tomb Raider 2 premiere, I was like, oh, she's much more slight than I thought. It just, it's such a disconnect of, you know, their presence on screen, how tall they are in person because... Literally almost no one is as tall as they look on screen, especially the men. <laughs> so you were at the premiere? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of like my Hollywood years. But yeah, I was at the Tomb Raider 2 premiere, and it was just really cool. And Angelina was beautiful, but just very thin, and but beautiful, but just like, you know, she was so muscular and hardy for the Tomb Raider 2 role. I was like, she had to work really hard probably to put on all that muscle because she's beautifully bird-like. Like just her bone structure and her frame, she just was absolutely stunning in person, but smaller than I thought. Mm -hmm. No, that's what, that makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah, uh, bird-like is very—it's a good description, I would say. It was lovely. It was lovely, but it was just like she doesn't look at the person on screen who's firing guns and doing flips and kicking people. I was like, good for her. She really transformed. That was my question. Okay, how on earth did you get into not just not? I didn't even realize the two Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves movies I realized I was like do you have like stunt training or something that you're getting in all these like fantasy I don't have any stunt training it just it was just time in my life where I don't want to say I got lucky but I got some great opportunities to be in films that even if you couldn't see me on screen although I can find myself in the matrix too which is shocking I paused it once and I was like let me just look for myself and someone's like there you are and I was like there's no way you found me and I was like Oh shit, there I am. <laughs> wow. So I can find a screenshot of me and I did the uh, the movie with a friend and I was like, is this me? And she's like, yes, you nerd. That's me right next to you. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that is us. <laughs> and so that's kind of cool. So I have like a snapshot on my phone of The Matrix 2. Ooh, feel free so. to send that to me. I won't share okay, it. Okay, let but... me find it. Yeah. <laughs> no, because I've never seen The Matrix or Constantine, so. Oh, come on. These. <laughs> this would be so much more impressive if you had seen them. It's impressive anyway. I know they're huge hits. I was just like, what? When that come out? Like, 2000? I, I think they were both in, like, the early 2000s, I think. Okay, I don't mean to age you, but I was definitely, like, six. Um, See? There you go. <laughs> and I was but... 400. <laughs> no, not yet. In more years. In more years. Yeah. Oh. I didn't really... <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, FYI... I know you already mentioned it earlier, is that you said that people prefer female presenting mer people. Mm -hmm. um, I prefer mermen personally over mermaids, so shout out to you. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it is one of those things where they generally prefer female presenting merfolk. But when you find your right niche communities, and the LGBTQIA community has been wonderfully supportive, you do get the calls, hey, we want the merman for sure, or even... There was a recent gig I worked where they said, hey, we want like six mermen. And I was like, that's going to be tricky. I don't even know if there's six working mermen in the industry. So it's the merman is starting to become more of its own thing, which I really appreciate. But it still is just really hard. People don't understand that I have to work four times as hard because nine out of ten opportunities will never even be for me. So once again, when that LA Times article came out, I was like, oh, I'm the lead pitcher. I'm the first interview. It was really, really shocking. And I know I'm still 
humbled enough by that happening where it was really cool. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, of course I'm the lead person. I was like, what? <laughs> and it was just really exciting and cool. So I'm always grateful for the opportunity to give, you know, the male presenting or even non-binary MERS more of hope that you don't have to look like this depiction of a mermaid that just you may have never identified with or you just don't look like, you know? Mm -hmm. So. No, yeah, representation matters. We're mm -hmm. saying it literally again. <laughs> it always matters, and people are all bent out of shape. Well, the wrong kind of people are bent out of shape about the new Little Mermaid. I'm so excited. I think it's going to be great for a million reasons. So I am so excited to hear her sing. Yeah. Like, her voice is amazing. Her and her sister harmonize amazingly when they sing their yeah. stuff. That... I think she's so great for the role. And even people say, oh, she doesn't look like Ariel. And I go, really? I think she does. She's cute and a little button nose and the eyes. And I was like, she looks like Ariel to me. So people need to get over it because it's going to be a great film. So It is. Disney's pouring so much money into it. <laughs> I know. And all of us pro-mers were like, how do we get into this movie? None of us got into the movie because they shot in the Mediterranean and they cast like mostly local people. But I'm oh. shocked that no professional mermaids got into the film. We were that all trying. We're all trying, but there was just no connection between the mermaid community and the Disney film, unfortunately, as far as I know. Missed opportunity, Disney. I know. I know. So, but I'm These still very, very excited. Can hold their <laughs> breath for five minutes. I know, but now with people like Sigourney Weaver and Kate Winslet doing four to seven minute breath holds, they may be taking our jobs. So that's amazing. You could have even been an avatar, I'm thinking. I know. Like, I'm surprised they didn't cast more underwater people because a lot of mermaids are very, a lot of merfolk are very water capable. And mm -hmm. that's always something I've tried to be that's been important to me is to not just be someone who wears a tail that the tail isn't just my entire career a lot of my photos recently i've been out of tail and it's very yes. freeing to be able to shoot and move and that's what i always say to my to people when they ask i'm an underwater performer it's not because i'm embarrassed to say i'm a professional merman it's that my career isn't dictated by the quality of tail i wear i'm the person wearing the tail the tail doesn't wear me and i think a lot of people don't unfortunately get that where they're frenetically buy new tails and maybe if i got a tail from this maker maybe from this tail maker that's not what's going to make you famous or validated you have to be able to rock any tail you have and you know i've never relied on a tail and i think that's probably one of the smartest things i've ever done in my career i'm glad you said it because person first we are people first yeah. i know we're trying to make an illusion in your case but <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, that's we're my performers first and people first, absolutely. And I no. want to always see the mer person opposed to, you know, sometimes people are drowning in a costume, literally, where it's like bra, necklace, headpiece, eyepiece, and it's just like I can't even see the merfolk person anymore. All I'm seeing is all the accessories they're wearing, and that's why in general I've been going much more neutral on a lot of my shoots because I want people to see me. I don't want them to just look at the crown, the necklace, the bra, the arm. Like sometimes I just need people to see the performer and just see a nice clean shot. And, you know, it's, it's, it's liberating. People are, would be surprised to understand when you're normally shooting in a skin tight tail, then also you have legs again, there's a lot more you can do under the water. You know? <laughs> like you're limited. So it is really liberating to be like, I do still grow legs sometimes. And that's part of who I am. So 
Oh, quick question that might be so irrelevant, but Please. because you're in a tail so much, does that affect your mm -hmm. leg flexibility? Like, because it's always so rigid? You know, it's one of those things where you should always try to stretch before and after. I'm not saying I'm good about that, and I always do, but you really should because the only time I usually get Charlie horses was when I'm putting on my tail. And it's like, oh, I should have stretched more. I should have been more careful. But no, I think your legs, it can go either way. They can take the brunt of it and become stronger, or maybe if you're not properly swimming, or maybe your tail doesn't fit properly, it can hurt your joints and things like that. So... Yeah, because, okay, <laughs> self-disclosure time, everyone. Okay, so go. when I got to college and started, like, massively taking dance classes, uh, I started in, like, African dance specifically, and I never mm -hmm. stretched. And mm -hmm. I gained so much muscle, but I never stretched. <laughs> <laughs> that I was like, oh, my God, I lost all my flexibility. So it's been, yeah. like, 11 years, and I'm struggling to still get it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You have to be so flexible for so many reasons as a professional merfolk performer. And you know, the vanity muscle is good, but I still want somebody to be able to touch their toes. You know, you still need to be able to be flexible and move. So there's no desire to be a big hulking pile of muscle if it looks like I can't scratch my own back, you know? <laughs> no, and I'm glad you said the two things I tell people all the time. Actually, so fun fact, one of my teachers in high school made it her New Year's resolution to be able to touch her toes again. And I thought mm -hmm. it was funny because she was like the cheer coach. <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah. that's... I understand if you're not like tumbling and everything, but you're in your twenties. <laughs> oh yeah. But that's... the fun part is, is that they documented it, like her journey to touch her toes again. They'd hold a ruler for her and we'd like see her progress. It took her oh, like fun. three weeks, but it was wow. a fun little project that the school got behind. Wow. And that's so crazy. I always think of that. And what was the other <laughs> one you said? Like toes and, oh, scratching your back. That's just a yeah. life skill. <laughs> well, you know, some people just want to get so hulkingly big, and it's like, I always want to be lean. I always want to be able to move. I always want to feel like I'm athletic without being just vanity muscle for no reason. That doesn't interest me. So, No, I feel that entirely. If I can't scratch yeah. every part of my back, I'm not happy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but... Oh, last thing about the article is that something I didn't know about your profession is that you specifically do birthday parties. <laughs> and it's funny, even that little bit of the article, like I don't do that many birthday parties. They also said I do Ren fairs, which we don't do because there's very little money in any Renaissance fairs. Right. Sweeping generalization. I think the East Coast, Midwest, the Ren fair circuit may be better. But in California, there's there's no money in, in Ren fairs. So we don't usually do the birthday parties, not kids' birthday parties. Now, I do a lot of adult birthday parties. And that was my next question. Yes. Is that the kids' birthday party circuit is a huge moneymaker. And people can live their entire lives just doing kids' parties. They're really, really hard. And I don't believe people ever get paid enough for the work they do. So as a whole, myself and my colleagues, we don't do a lot of kids' parties because it unfortunately is kind of like low-hanging fruit where people are squabbling over how little they'll do it for if they didn't do it for outright free. In Southern California, it's literally, I don't want to say a pandemic, but it is such a problem where people, just to get a picture, just say the professional, they will undercut everyone. So kids' parties, bless their hearts, is not something I navigate towards unless specifically, specifically requested because it's just people are fighting tooth and nail to work a kids party for 50 bucks. And it's like, what are you doing? 
that is you're hurting all of us and the problem is too once you start undercutting everyone else you're undercutting yourself because you are setting your price at a very low point so if that person wants you back again guess what they're going to want to pay you 50 dollars the rest of your life so people don't get they shoot themselves in their own feet when they just want to get the party when they just want to say look i'm a professional mermaid it's like not for long at that rate so yeah no and i have that the same struggle with people when they're uh the choreography flag stuff i do mm -hmm. like people don't have money where i am like the programs don't have money so mm -hmm. they're just like who's willing to do it and i'll yeah. be honest i totally did it back when i was like early on in my career and i do Absolutely. see the effects now <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things like when you're new and you're starting out and you're figuring things out, you of course have to take some risks and chances and you have to get yourself out there. But we're talking people in the industry for years and years and years who know better and are just undercutting everyone. And it's it's so short-sighted and it's so unfortunate. And I think that's why a lot of MERS have started to slowly pull a bit back from the industry or not from the industry, from the community, because they're very, very different things. And people don't always understand the pressures that come with it. But yeah, for birthday parties, last one I worked was an adult birthday party. Maybe he was 50, I don't know. And it was great. I got flown out to Denver, Colorado for it in a beautiful palatial Ooh. property and beautiful infinity edge pool. And unfortunately it was a media blackout for discretion reasons because of some of the guests who were there that were in the public eye. So I have no photos, but we even had champagne guns and a champagne gun is literally what it sounds like. It's a champagne bottle and a device so I can shoot champagne. So either for someone's glass or shoot in their mouth, which was a lot of what people were doing that night. And they're like, oh, spray, come on, just shoot the champagne in my mouth. And I was like, this is not a precise instrument. Are you sure? But I haven't had a good time. And they're like, yeah, just spray the champagne in the pool. Like it was very, it was a big fancy party and everyone was lovely. And it ended up getting cut a little short because a thunderstorm came in. So we had to get out of the water. And so... It's just one of those great events. It was fun and wild, no pictures. But yeah, usually if I work adult birthday parties, they're adults' adults. Wow, cool. That yeah. actually tracks. So everyone, <laughs> cross-promotion episodes. So <laughs> uh, Hot Topics Jeremy Smith, which is actually the Hot Topics most recent from yours, is what this episode will be. Uh, he mm. and I were talking about sabering champagne. Mm -hmm. So people love the champagne gigs yeah. they love uh, the fun champagne tricks <laughs> did they teach you how to use the gun before you like oh no and it was not a perfect system whatsoever they were like dripping and leaking and they're like no we don't care just shoot the champagne in the pool like have fun and make big arcs of champagne because i worked with a local mermaid and it was fun it was not precise and it was very sticky and my fabric tail which i wore from Finfolk Productions, it like reeked of champagne until I could get home and wash it. Yeah, that was what I was wondering too. It's like, if you're shooting in the pool where you are, it doesn't mm -hmm. ever, like, were you worried about damaging? <laughs> no, really, because Finfolk's tails are so amazing. Besides being like buttery soft, they're very resilient. They look beautiful. So I knew it was going to be a great big hit, but I was like, I'm swimming in champagne. This is such like a fun performer, silly thing where it's like, no, I'm shooting champagne from a gun, you know, from 10 feet away into people's mouths and shooting into the pool. And it was very, 
it was very great Gatsby party energy. <laughs> That's a good description. I was just thinking, I was like, how much champagne did you go through? Bottles and bottles of champagne. The second the gun was empty, there'd be another bottle ready for you. So. Oh, is that how it works? It's just like the bottle attaches, like kind of like. The bottle attaches almost like a fancy squirt gun and it just mm -hmm. attaches and you shoot. And yeah, we went through, I don't know how many bottles of champagne we went through, but the birthday boy seemed very happy. So cool. Um, speaking of which, uh, everyone, another cross promotion time is episode 26. Lexi Haddad talks about her time because she's a princess performer for mostly mm -hmm. kids parties, but she's through like a company. It's all like official and stuff. But no, I was talking to her because I was like, huh, would you ever do bachelorette parties? And she's like, we would love to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the princess party circuit is very lateral to what we do, especially with like aerial crossover and stuff like that. But those princesses work hard. They're varying character. The costumes have to be amazing, at least the quality people want in Los Angeles. They're so picky because this is the entertainment industry. It's mm -hmm. even tricky with pales where... You know, for kids' parties, it's tricky to ever want to wear a fabric tail in Los Angeles because that kid probably has the same tail. <laughs> the children are very fancy in L.A. So what's like princess parties? I mean, big shout out to the princess girls because that's hard work and it's so much character stuff and it's the kids and it's, it's a lot. So princess party girls, you're doing it, doing the thing. Former teachers, I encourage you to use your class and management skills and go do them. <laughs> <laughs> Like, if you're trying to get out, that might be a viable option for you. Yeah. Princess parties, so much work. And always scared of the mouse, too, if you know what I mean. Like, you have to be careful because sometimes the mouse, which I refer to, does mm -hmm. shut down. Everyone's on the do to sweep in Southern California, and they shut down a bunch of princess party companies who are using characters that are licensed. Even if you're like Frozen Prince, you can't say Frozen, you can't say that. You have to say like Snow Princess and stuff like that. They can still nab you with the likeness and stuff like that. So be careful, princesses. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's the cool thing about Lexi's company is they're, they really, really, really promote their original characters. Good. And I'm like, okay, we can have like a princess come, but like we also got this like fairy companion she has. Yeah. And, and so, it's funny, too, because kids don't really care who the princess is. If they have a favorite, that's fine. They just love the entertainment. No matter who you are as a female presenting mermaid, a kid or a parent is going to call you Ariel. I mean, <laughs> even one of the people I work with, wonderful mermaid Elisa, who is Chinese, they'll be like, Ariel. And she's like, okay. It's <laughs> just like, you know, they just see a mermaid, and that's the reference point, and that's fine. But kids are excited just to see a mermaid or a princess, period. So they're pretty good like that. Yeah. So, does it have to be warm out for you to be willing to do birthday parties? Like, I know where you are currently. Like, it's pretty warm all the time. But you got flown to Denver. Apparently, it's freezing. It was, you know, people, summer is our big season because that's when everyone is swimming and is doing pool parties and is at the beach. Me, personally, I don't like the heat. I am not a lizard. I am always, always running so so hot so i actually prefer working in like fall and winter because as long as the pool is heated if i'm getting the water it doesn't matter so i actually don't like working the heat because you're sweating off your makeup and you're just sweating in general and summer is not my favorite season <laughs> by far which people are always so surprised to hear but it's actually fall when it's cooler 
and I can still work. So no, I don't need it to be hot. It's ideal if it's not freezing, but as long as the pool is heated, I don't care if it's very cold outside because I'll be more comfortable. It's kind of like drag queens where they're like, we need air conditioning to work. I kind of need cool temperatures to work. You know, I'm supposed to present a certain way. And if I'm flop sweating because it's 105 degrees, that's not the best image I want to put out there, you know? No, I'm the same way. My apartment will never be above 60 degrees. Oh, bless you. Bless you. <laughs> I love that. Oh, yeah. My friends all hate visiting, but they come anyway. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Love that. I love someone who has a refrigerator for a home. I think it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I hate being hot. And that, it does not work with Bandcamp. So yeah, we find ways to survive. But my tan lines mm. are horrendous, everyone. Oh, I mean, people can't see me, but it's like I walk outside for two seconds and I get like strap lines for my tank tops and stuff. So. I got a tan line once from driving 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Saying, yeah, we're, like I mixed racially, so it's like the parts of me that don't get sun can be very, very pale, but the sun hits me for two seconds and it just turns brown really easily, which is great, but I still can get sunburned thanks to dad's Irish roots. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I was about to say, we're very similar, like complexion-wise, mm -hmm. when you are tan. <laughs> yes. I'm a little in between now, but yeah. Hey, I'm fading too right now. <laughs> <laughs> but... No, actually, that's a fun point, is that even though, like, I'm 100% Chinese, DNA tests say the same thing, everyone, everyone thinks I'm Filipino because of my, like, tan. And I'm like, um, everyone I know that's Chinese is tan, too, but. It's, just... it's funny. I could see people thinking that. I could see people thinking that. Because people, you know, they make assumptions harmlessly. But I could yeah. see people thinking that, that you kind of almost look a little hoppa, like a little mixed, even. Yeah. And I agree. And I never take insult to it because, one, like, Filipinos, like. Great culture, great food. Like, sure, I'll be down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> whatever helps you get ponce or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, also, my aunt, it doesn't help that my aunt's from Manila. <laughs> so everyone just sees like us at gatherings. So, like, oh, I'm like, no, I'm not her kid, but like, I'm adopted, <laughs> I'm, like the white lady and like the Chinese guy. And like, but yeah, no, we're not related, even though we're both Chinese. It's a whole thing. <laughs> well, you know, people see anyone even slightly darker than a shade of pale and they're like i don't know what you are what are you it's like well i'm human first of all and then probably american next but you know it's like you can't tell who someone is by the way they look and i know this is not new news but people assume a lot by the way you look and sometimes it's harmless but i try to tell people never assume anything because sometimes people will you know someone will be a person of color and maybe they don't visually present as so and people can say mean things even if they don't mean to so it's like you don't know person's backstory especially their ethnicity so try not to assume things and plus most people like to talk about it mm -hmm. <laughs> so ask yeah exactly Politely. i mean yeah exactly i don't love the what are you <laughs> i know what they mean but i don't love the what are you as a frame question that's why i said politely <laughs> exactly exactly yeah, but, oh, God, I'm still not even through all the LA Times articles. I'm sorry, I'm talking so much. I'm so sorry, this is going to be probably long no. for you. I apologize. My longest episode's four hours. We're fine. Oh, okay, <laughs> we're not there yet. <laughs> no, but, okay, so, would you, if invited, come and do my birthday? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I don't know if I could afford you yeah. or any of that, but. No, absolutely. I forget where you're located. Where are you roughly based out of? I know DC. you're on the East Coast. Oh, you're DC. Okay. I would love could... to go. I haven't been. Yeah. You've never been to DC? I haven't. Hmm. What about New York? I'm also in New York and Boston a lot. I went to New York for the first time like two years ago. Wow. I wished it was colder. I think it was during winter and everyone had me so freaked out. They're like, bring gloves and bring huge jackets and all this stuff. And as someone who ran hot, it didn't occur to me that I could wear a t-shirt and a light jacket and be fine. So I was all bundled up and miserable the first day because I was too hot. And you know how it is when it's cold outside, you go inside an establishment and they have the heat just blaring. And so for like the first day, I was uncomfortably hot the entire day. And I was like, this is a mistake. It is not that cold. Everyone needs to pull themselves together. Like I could have just worn a light jacket and been fine, even though it was winter in New York when I was there. Oh, no. I am. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this show drawn together, but I have. Oh, okay. I was Xander for like a for a convention one time Love and that. I was like skipping around outside in negative 10 degree weather. And I was fine yeah. people. Like I wasn't staying yeah. out there, but I was running between the buildings happily fine. New York yeah. has never been cold for me. So. Yeah. It's just, I'm one of those. I run like a furnace all the time. It's like assume at all times, I'm probably a little bit hot mm-hmm. at all times. <laughs> yeah. No, same, but oh. Uh. See people. Okay, so I had this dream <laughs> birthday party. I love magicians too. Fun and like adult magician parties. Like so, yeah. I'm gonna have like some event. Maybe when I'm when I turn thirty. Big blowout. Which, yeah, I keep calling. I keep telling everyone thirty is gonna be my pre-wedding test run. So there you go. Tested all the stuff. That's yeah. exciting. I actually don't know how this transition is going to go, but whatever, we're transitioning topics because I don't remember what we said beforehand. (laughs) I forgot what we were talking about too, but we're good. I'm sure we have a lot to cover and I've been yammering too much. So I keep (laughs) tangenting you. So you're fine. Those in the moment questions. So, oh yeah. Last time when you were here, we were talking about rediscovering ethnicity and everything, which we kind of touched upon already, Mm -hmm. but I just want to take this time to acknowledge about how great that conversation was and follow back about the damn question you asked me during my episode, episode 30, everyone, the season one finale of, do you feel you've had any additional challenges personally or professionally as a person of color? So my question to you is, was my answer satisfactory? And it's okay if you didn't hear it, just let me know. (laughs) Remind me what you said, and it's not because you're forgetful, it's because I have a goldfish memory sometimes. Um, I literally was like, um, yes. Uh, I'm going to ask everyone else that question now, <laughs> yeah. but I don't remember actually, cause I didn't go back and listen. I just remember your questions. The one that like got me like to break. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a rhetorical question because as a person of color, of course you have, but it is something people don't think about or consider, especially some of us can live in these wonderful safe bubbles, be it our personal friendships or even just like the cities we live in where people don't think, yes, I have to factor in being a visible person of color all the time. Even recently, and it sounds kind of funny, but I did mean it. I was driving to see my parents who live in Arizona, and I have an extra TV I was going to bring to replace one of their TVs. But I was leaving so early in the morning, I literally knew to myself, I said, I don't want to be carrying a TV to my car at five in the morning. It's going to look suspicious. 
And that's something I have to think about as a person who is a person of color and who many people assume is Hispanic or Latino. And I know the world we live in. And I was like, I don't want to be walking my car carrying a TV if a cop comes by. Like that, that does make me nervous. So that is something that I know people are like, oh, I would never think that people or you have to worry about that. And I say, no, I absolutely is a position I don't want to put myself in. So, you know, even asking you that question, of course you have. You're alive and you're here, so you've had those challenges. <laughs> I've asked that question before, actually, to people, and they have not. So really? Good for uh, them. <laughs> I, I just tell them, I'm like, good for you. I'm jealous. Um, yeah. How? Yeah. How? <laughs> You're not paying attention? No, yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I have asked that straight out to people. I'm like, have you not been paying attention? Like, I've seen it happen to you. How on earth? <laughs> Exactly. I want to hear about yeah. like your life and they were genuinely like never thought about it that way. So that's why I was like, mm -hmm. Oh, we are very similar as people yeah. like in lots of ways. So I was just so happy when I got that. Cause again, people, when you go listen to the episode, I did not read the questions beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good question. Like I said, it's good to just spread awareness just so people know people don't know. And some people don't want to know, but some people do and just it never occurred to them, you know? Mm -hmm. So, Mike, your turn. Do you feel like you've had additional challenges personally or professionally as a person of color? I mean, you know, no, no, <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know, it's, I've been, I've worked hard enough to make a brand where being a person of color is a part of it. But, and there is always a reference I talk about where someone wanted a merman for a party and they literally said, oh, we want the white one. And it's always like, ouch. And it just was also odd because this was a Hispanic family's birthday party. And they said, no, we want the white one, the blonde one. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Like, I don't take it personal because people want what they want. And, you know, as Dita Von T says, you can be the ripest, juiciest peach in the world. Some people don't like peaches. And that's okay. But even just the way they phrased it, it was like, I would rethink the way you speak to people. Like you can say, oh, we like this merman with this colored tail. Identifying people as the one they want by their skin tone, especially when it's the opposite of the party's demographic, it was uncomfortable. Also because you are half white. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, I am half white, but I knew exactly what they meant. It's just, people don't think that those small microaggressions, they add up, you know? Fast. Fast, fast. It's the littlest things. It's not huge outwardly racist encounters. It's these tiny, tiny little digs that can be very damaging to people. So. They literally drive me insane when they happen to me. Uh, only because like the speed at which they happen for me, I have lots of things going on. People, you've heard if you've been around the show long enough, you've heard like little snippets every episode because I like to talk about myself too with the people that come on. Yeah. So no, every angle on earth, people are always like, "Oh, you're so easy to offend." I'm like, no, I just have a complex identity that I'm proud of. Yeah, and it's like people aren't most aren't easy to offend. They're reasonably offended by something offensive you said. It's such a thing to say something offensive and be like, oh, don't take it so personal. It's like, oh, gaslighter, gaslighter. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm just kidding. What's the problem? Don't take it so personally. And you're like, mm, you're someone I never want to speak to ever again. <laughs> uh, 
people have not said that to me. Luckily, like you're uh, like you're taking not that you're taking it. Oh, I was just kidding. And uh, to me in a while, and I'm happy because I don't know how I'd react now. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? The, the the fuse is shorter than it used to be. So yes, um, yeah. yeah. But so, have you actually listened to like the show? I've listened to some of it. Yeah, it's just I would love to listen to more podcasts, but it's hard as a you know business owner and you're self-employed and you're doing everything. Even just listening to a podcast for an hour can make me feel guilty because I know I have other stuff to do. But I am finding that balance now where I am prioritizing myself and my personal time. And you know, even my Instagram account, it's a professional account. It's not a personal account. I don't share personal things. I share things here and there, but people get confused where that's not my life. That's my work. Mm -hmm. I keep my life private. And another great quote that I forget who said it, but has always really stuck with me is it is poor spiritual hygiene to give everyone access to you. And some people just lay it all out. And I think you have to protect parts of your life and just at this point in my career you know if a job doesn't inspire me or doesn't meet the quote of what i can now earn and what i what i deserve i say no you know when you're first starting out you're so nervous about ever missing a job or ever missing an opportunity and maybe saying yes to things that don't feel good to you or don't resonate with you but now it's like no i have to feel inspired or this has to be a good business decision you know yeah <laughs> which i don't know which um end of the spectrum this ended up in but you know nice oh no i like this that's a good one i enjoy <laughs> this you know it's a good thing some interviews can be very groan inducing but i never mind chatting with you so that's nice oh thanks actually um we had another person that came on recently and said that too about interviews can be groan inducing so luckily i haven't had one someone complain yet Everyone still yeah. talks to me, so. <laughs> yes. But, no, the reason why I asked if you listen to the show is not to be like, how do you like it? No, no, no. I just want to let you know, you were the leader of, like, views or listens. I don't know what they're called for podcasts. Right. <laughs> Until listens? I started getting the TikTokers on. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, yeah. I can't compete with TikTokers. That's a whole other world. I'm technically on TikTok, but I think I've just spiritually and emotionally missed that boat where I was like, this doesn't connect to me. I don't understand this algorithm. I worked so hard to build my Facebook profile, which is, you know, basically dead now. And mm -hmm. now Instagram is still good, but pictures are becoming non-existent. And I love taking photos. Like I love sharing these pieces of art I work on. So I also am not someone who's posting every day. I'm not putting reels every day because chasing that validation chasing those likes it is a really short-sighted plan and i post when i want to post and i you know i share things when i want to share them but that frenetic energy i feel for some people where i think they're unfortunately being toxic to themselves the pressure to create the pressure to post every day the pressure to put up new video because that's what instagram likes everyone needs to take a step back and you know be kind to themselves and realize unless you're doing this for a way of living, if you're just doing this for attention and likes and validation, you are going to burn out, you know? So people need to, you know, understand the difference of what you're professionally trying to create and who you just are as a person. And I think people get lost 
when their accounts are both, to be quite honest. They get very lost. Yeah, it's also exhausting. Oh, I... exhausting. <laughs> I have a TikTok personally. There's one for the podcast too, but like my personal TikTok, everyone, like all those videos that you see, I took four years ago and I just found them on my phone. And I was like, LOL, this is so funny, everyone. Here's some new music. Absolutely. I'm digging through old videos because I'm not someone who thinks to grab my phone and video myself. That's just never where my head is at. I know some people's heads are there, which is good or bad, but I never think, oh, this is content, gotta shoot this. I try to let my work speak for itself and it's just it's it's hard for me to ever get in that mindset of oh you should shoot this oh take video oh take a photo I'm like I just want to relax and have fun with my friends I don't want to take a video right now and I think that has kept me from going kind of insane when I've seen other people get really wrapped up in the literally the hysteria of social media that's a good word for it hysteria but yeah. still in good news, even though you're not number one anymore, you are still number 12. I, you know, of I have 49 episodes, like you're top fourth. I appreciate that. It's just, you know, and I know people love TikTok and it's not for me. I'm definitely in a different age demographic. I appreciate the good things it can accomplish. But, uh, you know, as Marie Kondo would say, it does not spark joy for me. <laughs> TikTok does not spark joy. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I tried and I was like, I don't get it. I'm not connecting to this. And it's just, I have the account, but it's just, it doesn't serve me personally or professionally as of now. Yeah. Nope. I feel it. I wonder every day. I'm like, I wonder if this TikTok. Oh yeah. So world, if you actually came from TikTok, please comment or like, let me know <laughs> that you actually, that it's working. I get a couple likes here and there, but some of them might be my other accounts too. So just let me know how you find the podcast. And we have Instagram, Twitter, email. Yeah. Same name. <laughs> some TikTokers are just killing it. It's such a, I understand who it works for and how it works for them. And I think that's phenomenal when people have, I don't even know the numbers, <laughs> when they have a million likes. It's like, that's amazing. You found the platform that works for you. I think I'll always be more photo-based and video-based. That's always just me because I like art. I like looking at photos. I like looking at paintings. So seeing a video, it's always going to be different to me. It's always going to be different. So you'll probably never see tons of video because that's just not where my head is at. And I like those captured moments. So Yeah, no, I feel it. Um, oh, no, but... <laughs> The reason why I wanted to ask if you've listened to the show is because, FYI, you, like like we all know, I'm still celebrating. You're my first person to come back a second time. <laughs> Get ready, because that means you got to submit questions for season two. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I love so, it. This is a very safe, welcoming, fun space to be in. So, yeah. Hmm. I mean, also, I'm happy. I, You know, it's Saturday. I could be out and about. And I was like, no, I want to do the podcast. <laughs> So, yeah. That is so true, actually. Wow. Look at me, people. Blushing. <laughs> I don't know if being humbled is the word. I actually don't understand the word humble in general. So, being humbled, I don't know if that's what's happening right now. But, like, flattered. I'll say flattered. Flattered's oh. good. Humble is a good thing. I think it's good to stay humble. But I think sometimes we diminish our own accomplishments by being so polite. And by being so, oh, thank you. Oh, it's no big deal. We often diminish 
the great things we do because I think people are afraid to feel egotistical. Well, some people aren't. Some people are not afraid at all to look completely <laughs> self-centered. And you know those accounts. But it's like I've started apologizing for working really hard and being proud of things I've done. You know, if I'd been in an LA Times article when I first started, I'd be like, oh, thank you so much. It's no big deal. Like, I would have laid myself lower to not feel like I was bragging. And now it's completely different. It's like, no, I'm really proud of this. I worked hard. I The reason I even got this interview is because the brand I've created and everything I've done. So yeah, I am proud of it. It is cool. I am excited about it. And I think a lot more people need to celebrate their accomplishments. And most of the time, people want to hear it anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And if you have genuine supporters, they'll always be excited about the things you did. And they'll always genuinely like the things you do. And you know, it, it is one of those things where when you've been in an industry as long as I've been in, sometimes your biggest, greatest, most exciting accomplishments, you will get less likes than ever because people are jealous. And you can be like, God, this is an amazing photo. Oh, look at all the people not commenting. Look at all the people not liking it. And it's clear as day when someone is pressed about something you've done that they didn't. And it's such a toxic loop that I wish people would get themselves out of. But yeah, sometimes you share things you're really excited about and it doesn't get the attention you know it deserves. And you know people have seen it. You can see how many people have seen it. And if you really want to go down the rabbit hole, you can get apps and find out who's seen all your stuff. So it is strange and unfortunate. Sometimes people don't want to celebrate your accomplishments with you and keep an eye on those people. Because some people never clap for anyone else and that's why it's never their turn. And they don't seem to understand that. Yeah, or maybe you need to look out for them because they're having a really rough time and maybe that's one of those moments you can show kindness. Yeah, and it's just like you always try to give people the benefit of the doubt. It's just unfortunate when, you know, you know for a fact, oh, this person didn't like or comment or say anything and I know they saw it because they're mad it's not them. Mm -hmm. And I've never understood being upset about results you don't get from work you didn't do in the first place. I've never understood right. that. I've never understood that. People think they want to be a professional performer. It's a lot. It eats your life. It is so much responsibility. It is, you're, you miss holidays, you miss time with family and friends, you miss events, you miss weekends. If you really want to do this industry, you're working on the weekends and holidays because that's when people have parties. And sometimes people will say to me, oh, I want to be a professional mermaid and I want to do this and that. And I give them an opportunity and they're like, oh, well, I'm going out that night. And it's like, well, that's fine. But if you're not going to take this seriously, please don't waste your time or my time. Right. Yeah. So, and that's fine if you just want to be a sometimes, you know, an occasional mer person. That's completely fine. But people get so upset that they're not getting <laughs> LA Times articles. And it's like, you simply haven't worked hard enough. You haven't earned that place. And you know that. And that's why you're upset. So. Yep. Very general for any, you know, and yeah, just all this commentary. It's so generalized people like, I'm not saying we're philosophers here, but what we say is smart. <laughs> Me showing, I'll be egotistical about that. No, Jackson and I are smart and what we're saying is truth. So go with yeah. it. It's just, there's room for everyone. So someone else's victory doesn't mean you're a failure and people have to get that out of their heads. Because even just completely plainly speaking, oh, I'm so mad I didn't get this. And it's like, you were never even up for that. You were <laughs> never even up for it. 
You know, so it's like, how can you be mad? It'd be me being like, I'm so sad I'm not the lead in Aquaman. I was never up for that role. <laughs> Why am I upset about that? So people don't seem to understand you can be happy for someone else and it isn't a blight on your own career. So. Funny you said Aquaman though, uh, because again, I get to cross promote episodes, everyone. But so everyone go back and listen to episode 21 with Phil Lober. 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 I don't know why I keep saying Lober lately. It's Lober. Uh, he is a musician that did the music for Aquaman's trailer. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And I didn't realize he does a lot of superhero movie trailer music, which I never realized that the trailer music's different than the soundtrack. It's its own mini industry now. Absolutely. There is music created just for trailers now. So yeah, it's a really cool world because we all know how much trailers matter and how much buzz those things get. And that music is key. So mm -hmm. it really is a niche it's a niche world that is really really cool i think yeah so go go listen to phil who actually is trying to get a part two everyone but <laughs> jacks beat him that's yeah <laughs> but enough about this industry talk enough about us talk well <laughs> philosophical talk i should say we're still talking about yes. you because yes. you're an avid reader i love reading I do love reading and I just started reading more again because I'm letting myself not feel guilty for taking personal time and to mm -hmm. do something that I find enjoyable. So yes, I am a big reader and I finally started really giving myself the time to enjoy books again. Okay. So what do you read? You know, I read a bit of everything. I mean, the last book I finished was Elvira's autobiography, which I love. Big Elvira fan. People don't realize I'm pretty spooky year round. I may not look it. I'm kind of an undercover goth. So she's a huge icon to me. And then when she even came out, you know, with her partner that she's been with for years and years and years, I was like, oh, of course, <laughs> of course you're LGBTQIA. Everything about you <laughs> is LGBTQIA. But yeah, I liked her biography. I'm reading Circe by Madeline Miller, which I've been looking forward to forever. I tend to read a few books at once. And there's a photo book of Filipinos in early San Francisco that I find really fascinating I'm reading. So I read lots of different stuff, but it tends to be probably a lot like my media taste. I like a lot of horror. I like a lot of fantasy. But sometimes a great autobiography of a person you just think is so interesting and amazing is really a good read. Yeah. No, that's... Did Not I blow actually, through okay. all of your book questions? <laughs> no, I was just try, like, trying to take it all in because I was like, no, yeah, that tracks um, with things. I also just re-listened to your episode right before I sent the questions yesterday. So I'm like, no, yeah, that tracks. If, if you listen and pay attention to people, we're not that surprising. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so no, because it's, yeah. Anyways, who are your favorite authors? One of my favorite authors, it's funny, is Anne Rice and her son, Christopher Rice. I've always been a big, actually, I'm not a big vampire person, controversial, I know, but they're kind of so mainstream. I don't think you always see all the interesting aspects of them. I think a lot of people default to a person with fangs, and that's kind of it. With just like mermaids, vampires are around the world, and they're in every culture of the world, and there's so many different cultural versions that I can't believe we just see people with fangs and that's all we see when there's so much more to them. But Anna Rice I love and her son Christopher Rice is an amazing author and you know the vampire um interview the vampire show just started on AMC. I haven't seen it yet. Wait, it came um, out? I didn't know it was out uh, yet. 
it came out. I think the first episode is out, I believe. <gasps> oh, okay. Yeah. So, and I love that book. And so, yeah, I love the Rices. I think they're great writers. And I also have a huge affection for the city of New Orleans, which is a huge part of the Vampire Chronicles by Anne Rice. So, yeah, she's one of my favorite authors and she's written some amazing books. They're very wordy, lengthy reads, but I think the Rices are probably some of my favorite authors. Great. And you can't see on the podcast, everyone, but Jax, you probably saw me like reach to the side and completely like look like I was ignoring it. I wasn't. <laughs> I was just show, like, because I don't know if I told you, but I started re- reading again recently. Mm-hmm. What were the books that I started reading again? Christopher Rice's. <gasps> Sapphire Spring. I haven't read that. Any of his. Is, is it good? I like him. It actually turned me on to the gay romance genre. Yeah. Because he even has a pen name he writes under. I'm not sure if that one is one of his pen name ones, but he has a different, yeah. Yeah, no, it literally says on the cover, everyone. So I don't know how much of a pen name this is. Um, (laughs) Because, like, I found out from him, and I was like, well, he's telling people himself. Yeah, yeah. no, he, he, it literally says Christopher Rice writing as C. Travis Rice. I mean, because his mom did that too. She wrote under a pseudonym, but she didn't tell everyone, which was interesting. I think it was, what is it, Rolo K? She wrote her her kind of erotic books under a different name. And so I appreciate he did that too, but we all know it's him, which is kind of funny. Wait, okay, so when you said that he told you, are you hanging out with like Christopher Rice? No, 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 not personally. I saw him once in a movie theater and I was like, I should say something to him, but I never want to bother people. Um, but no, just I think when this new book came out, it was like, oh yeah, this is me. This is a pen name I write under. And it was kind of like, that's interesting that you're telling people. So, yeah. Actually, that's because apparently, like, genre hopping between authors is, like, huge numbers, like, detriment to their brand. And that's what I they have to do that. it. Yeah. Yeah. That but the fact that you're taking, like, a third of your cover to write. <laughs> right. I was like, it's not me, but it's still me. Yeah. So. And the amount of press he does for the book series, which, again, I really like the series. Did you read the first one? No, I oh, yeah. literally, I've been so out of touch with reading, but I was like, oh, he has a couple of these out now. I think two, maybe two. three. Okay, yeah. Third is coming. He just did a yes. cover reveal. That's what I thought. Okay, yeah, no, I'm totally behind on my new Christopher Rice books, so. Wow, I literally don't know anyone else who reads, like, his stuff, but yeah, oh my god. <laughs> He's a great, great author. He's a great author, so. Mm-hmm. And he did a lot of research for that book I just showed you. Sapphire Spring. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. So I'll put that on my list of things. Oh, it already is on my list of things to read. Because I just recently got a digital library card from the Los Angeles County Library. And even though I prefer holding a real physical book, I like the smell of books, like, you know, the feel of books. I like that kinesthetic relationship. Excuse me. Um, It's so great to just check out books online now. And it's so easy to read it from my laptop, which I'm on all day because I'm working. Mm -hmm. But it's opened up a whole new world where I can be like, oh, it's Christopher Rice book. Yes, I'm going to read that. And I can just click on it and I have it. So I've become a big reader recently again. And that's been fun. And that was my other question I forgot to write down. Are you like strictly like visually, that's the word, reading? Or do you do audiobooks too? I've never done audiobooks. And it's so funny because I do read a lot of autobiographies of specific people I like. And what's a great new thing is you can often get the autobiography read by the person who wrote it. So you're literally hearing it from their own words. So I haven't done any audiobooks yet, but 
after I read Elvira's autobiography, I was like, oh man, she narrated her book. I should have just listened to her tell the story. So I'll probably still go back and listen, you know, to the audio book, but I haven't done them yet. Well, Christopher Rice audioed or narrated, voice acted, I'll say, because it is voice acting. Uh, Like his Sapphire series. I actually don't know the series title. How horrible is that, people? I'm two books in. It's a new, it's a new series, but that's really great to hear. I love that we live in a world where we can have the writers actually read their own books. I think that's pretty cool because I know not everyone is a good visual reader or processes information that well. So I think the option to listen to a book, you know, what we used to call books on tape, I think it's a very cool option for people. True, it is. What's called books on tape? You're right. We did have cassettes. (laughs) People listen to their cars on their cassette tapes yeah or on their walkmans walkman oh actually wait were those only discs Discman was the cds huh yeah. you know i don't know why i'm trying to be old and hip with it. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> it's a different world but yeah i think the audiobook world is very cool i haven't dipped my toes in yet because someone was saying like i haven't properly read any of the lord of the rings books the classic ones mm-hmm. and that's a little daunting and my friend, Mermaid Rachel, the California Mermaid Convention dive bar, she's like, find a great audiobook of Lord of the Rings and listen to the background. And I was like, that's not a bad idea. Because I don't know if I'm ready to dive into that whole world full force that's going to eat my life if I go full Tolkien. Yeah, no, I have a lot of friends that read through the Samarillion multiple times. And I'm like, my God, that's an encyclopedia. That's not a novel. Well, I mean, it is a novel, but like, yeah. it's not like a prose and like, adventure no it's an encyclopedia yeah it's a lot it's a lot but yeah i love reading and i hope reading becomes cool again and people read more and just you know i mean i forget can i swear on your podcast yes or no okay a great quote that john waters the famous or infamous director um of films he said make books cool again If, if you go to someone's house and they don't have books don't fuck them I thought that was so funny (laughs) that it's like, you know, I would like to be with someone who reads and enjoys reading because it is either something people really enjoy or they don't. And that's okay. But I enjoy people who like to read in general. It's it's, Mm -hmm. it's a dying art, I think. It is. But also, like, there are these things now called, what are they called? Like, oh, God, it's types of podcasts where it's not just like us talking. It's people like full-on voice acting and it's like i don't know why it's not an audiobook it's a podcast it's like a story but that's a thing too and like i don't know just how reading has changed like within the last five years fascinating Mm -hmm. yeah and i don't think people should gatekeep either like if someone's like oh you listen to a book on tape you're not reading it's like no they're reading they're processing the same words just a different way i don't think anyone should gatekeep how someone is experiencing something i know we (laughs) touch on gatekeeping later but it's like you know let people enjoy their things how they want to enjoy them, for goodness sake. <laughs> yeah. So you already mentioned your favorite genres. Okay, so now we're at the last part of reading. What do you recommend people actually dive into if they're like, oh, they're so inspired by Jax and Danny. What should I read? <laughs> oh, shit, that's a good one, too. I mean, I think it really depends on what people's interests are. But I think everyone knows celebrities they like or musicians they like and a lot of these iconic people in the public eye have written autobiographies and i think that's a great way for people to get introduced that a novel can seem kind of daunting but if it's like oh i want to read you know this person's autobiography i think it's more relatable 
So I think autobiographies are a great way to start reading and just, even if you're looking at mermaid content or merfolk content, there are more mer books than there ever have been. And they're just getting churned out. And some are great, some aren't, but it's just, there's so much out there now where you can find something you want to read and you don't have to press yourself into finishing it a certain amount of time or a certain amount of pages a day. Just enjoy and read. And I think it's such a great, almost meditative time for people to step aside from their normal hustle bustle, you know, of their lives and just read a book and read about someone else's life and step out of yours and just have that nice disconnection. And I love reading. I've always loved reading. It is such a good disconnect. Absolutely. Like for the longest time I was like, you know, I don't have the energy to read and I would go to the movies. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, did I not go to the... No, I never bought the ticket. Okay, I just thought, I was like, oh crap, did I not go to the movie I bought the ticket for? No, I never bought the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to see like The Woman King, but I was looking at yeah. times, but I never actually hit go. <laughs> I definitely want to see that. I haven't seen it yet. We might have to do it soon. I think it's leaving theater soon. I know. I mean, we are in a great world where once things go out of movies, you're on a streaming service the next day, which is great. But it is important. I do urge people, if there's a film they really want to support, go to the movies. Make mm-hmm. sure it gets your money. Don't just wait till it comes to your house. It still helps, but support the movies you really care about because that's how these movies keep getting made. And that's how projects and producers, directors you want to support are able to make more films. So, you know, I know it's expensive, but if you really want to support something, go to your theaters. The movie industry is still recovering from the pandemic and probably never really will, unfortunately. And uh, no, that's actually why I went and saw Bros Wednesday. <gasps> Good. I was, oh my gosh, I was just thinking people go see Bros, but I was like, I don't know if this is too obscure. I'm so glad you saw it. What did you think of it? It was a lot better than I expected. I, okay, right. so watching the trailer, I was like, okay, I don't need to see white gays falling in love. But they addressed it a lot, actually, and the amount of bitterness like the character had. I was like, oh, that's shit I said yesterday. <laughs> yeah. No, I've heard it's a really, not only is it a solid film, but it takes a honest look at gay culture, both positive and negative, that it's not a completely washed romantic comedy, but it's not a bitter, dark film either, that it's a pretty realistic view of kind of just dating in the gay world. And I think supporting films like this is is so important. So I haven't seen it yet, but that is a film I want to try to see in theaters because I want to see more of these films. Well, again, not to keep harping on your age, but it was a really good look at what it's like to date currently in your 40s in gay world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it, it, you know, it's, do I really feel that much different? Sometimes. But in general, it's like, I don't feel like, oh, gosh, I'm 40. Like, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty fine. But it is a different world because a lot of people, especially in the gay world, you know, they can think, oh, you're 30? You're already out to pasture. And it's like, well, geez, what do I think of people like me? So it is a different world, even though I don't think I energetically feel 40 it's people can kind of discount you after a certain age, especially in the gay world. Mm-hmm. And people don't get that. So I think it is, once again, it's good awareness. Yeah. Now it's so funny. You said that too, because I've been telling people I'm 30 for like the past three years, because I keep forgetting. I'm genuinely not. I have my life so like <laughs> lucky and stable. And I'm so thankful for it every day that I'm like, Oh, <laughs> this is what people thought you would be at thirties. And plus, but like, physically lately i feel like i'm in my young 20s and i'm like you know i like this dichotomy knees don't give out on me please (laughs) exactly like when they do hit 30 so yeah no 
age is but a number. It's a social construct like time. It really is. It really, really is. Because, you know, it's, I always know it's, I'm, I'm flattered and people are surprised that I'm 40, but it's also like, they're surprised because there is a level of, oh, you seem so young or you seem so energetic or you seem so this or that. They're surprised you're not a crumbling, decrepit in a walker person <laughs> by the age of 40. And I always reference once again, kind of the OG mermaids of my industry they are not what you would call young whatsoever and they're killing it as women in their 40s plus they're absolutely killing it more than any of these young kids are and so it's like age is really really a number except the experience you get with age you know and it forms who we are and your stories hence the podcast people um Mm -hmm. (laughs) literally so Okay, we're off of reading now. Not that, you know, keep reading, people. Go for it. But now... Keep reading. (laughs) Am I wrong or do you play video games too? I do. I do play video games. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Okay, so... Yeah, go go ahead, please. Talk about video games. I am not an undercover dork because I don't hide it whatsoever, but people will be surprised. They're like, oh, you play video games? And I was like, yes, I'd love a PS5, but I like being one console behind because then all the games are cheaper. (laughs) Okay, that was my question. What's your platforms? I'm a PS4 right now, you know? And, you know, I'm starting to hit that point where certain games are only starting to come out on PS5, and it's like, oh, I'm on that cusp. But... I love video games. You know, I think it's people who like to read, often like to play video games. I think there's a certain type of person that really likes to be immersed in a world. And I think video games are so fun. They look so great. But yeah, right now I'm on a PS4. PS5, I'm not ready to drop that kind of amount of money or stress on a PS5 right now. My PS4 is doing me just fine. No, I totally agree with that um because it is a lot of money and no i'm a playstation guy too mm-hmm. yes um oh, yes i really feel like xbox got popular because of like dude bros and that's me generalizing oh. people but whatever i don't mind <laughs> yeah. i get stereotyped every day too it's fine exactly but okay so playstation person what genres yep. of games i play a lot of fighting games I do. Mortal Kombat 11 is my jam. I love it. And it was really great, that game, because they had a lot of, they didn't have a character creation screen, but they had all these amazing options to change your character's outfits and attributes and colors, and you could really create your own version of an iconic character, and I love that. So in that same kind of character creation world, I play a lot of fantasy RPGs, too. I love Dragon Age. I love Dragon's Dogma. I like those fantasy RPG worlds. I love when I can be fighting a dragon, but also simultaneously romancing one of my party. Like, I think that integration is so cool. And now with more LGBTQIA options happening, I feel like people can see themselves in these fantasy worlds they couldn't before. Where, you know, even as a gay man, sweeping generalization, I would often play a female character because I may just identify with them more. And their romance options were more open. Where sometimes if you're a gay character, there's one character you can romance. And that's it. And I feel like that's becoming better and better. So, yeah, I love fantasy RPGs. I love creating characters. I love the human interactions with the characters. I mean, all the fight and exploring is great, but I think it is really fun to work in the kind of nuanced relationship-based game RPGs, where it's like, oh, let's try to give 
you know, that character, this vase and she, she likes it. And then she's like, I hate vases. And you're like, damn it. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's a fun world to learn how to, it's just one more fun aspect because I think leaving out romance and relationships in role-playing games is a huge oversight. That's a huge part of what you stand for, who you'll fight for, who you're willing to die for in these games. So I love any game where I can really get immersive and really create a character. So, yeah, Vivian's the one that hates vases, everyone. Uh, but Vivian! <laughs> so I love Dragon Age too. Like so as good. well, not not the second one. Actually, the second one I didn't like as much, but it was still fun. Um, the first fun. one's a masterpiece. The second one is great. The third one, literally one game of the year, which is like yeah. a feat. Inquisition. Inquisition. I still haven't beaten Inquisition because I'm such a side quest person. If um... a villager comes up to me and says, my wife's dying, I need this herb in this mountain 20 miles away, I do it. <laughs> I get so guilt-tripped, you know, or especially if there's like an animal in need and it's like, oh, I need this herb for my horse. I'm like, hold on, I'll do it right now. So I'm a big side quest person. So I play all that stuff. Okay, I am actually the complete opposite. Are I you am main not story? A, I am total main <laughs> story. Like, have you played Final Fantasy 15? I've not played 15, though. Okay, so Dragon Age is my best example. So, okay, you're going to come up to me and complain about your dying wife with an herb. Okay, I'm trying to save the world right now. Like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> like, your demons are literally popping through the veil right behind your house, and you're worried about me getting an herb? Get someone else to get the herb. Let me handle the rift behind your house. And that is something I've learned, that the next big RPG I play, I'm going to try to stick to the main story and just beat it and see the whole story because I do get so sidetracked and I love these worlds and I love that you know there's billion hours of gameplay in them but sometimes I do veer off the path and I'm like what is my main goal again right now as the sky is rendered open and demons are shooting out of it I'm like right <laughs> I should probably help with that first yeah do you have a PlayStation 3 still I I brought it to my parents' house so I can play PS3 when I'm there sometimes. I've never done it yet, but I was like, I'm not going to play it here. So I brought it to my parents so I have a system there. Okay, so a game I think you would love, because you and me are very similar apparently as people, is White Knight Chronicles. I've heard of it, but I haven't played it. Okay, so you make your own Avatar character. That character right. is like in the main story. Not a lot of voicing, not a lot of that, but you know, I get yeah. it. The story is so rich on its own that I'm like, yeah, I don't understand how you could create a custom character in this. But I you get White Knight Chronicles. I'm gonna write that down. There's two of them. Are they both PS4 or available on PS4? No, they're three. Oh, three! Damn it, you told me that. Well, but by the way, you can get them by the store. second one because the second one has the first one in it. Good to know. I did not know White that. <laughs> White Knight Chronicles. Oh, yeah, I love my PS3. Usually the only reason I move on to a new system is because there's a game I really want that is only available on the new system. I mean, that's the thing. Mortal Kombat 11 came out, and I was like, ah, I have to get the PS4. <laughs> so usually either a Marvel-type game or a fighting game comes out that like I need the new system, and that's when I finally make the jump. I can hold off on the PS5 for now because my PS4 is great. And I love it. So yeah. Um, oh, can you? Do you play Tekken? 
I have played Tekken. It's not one of my top fighting games, but I've absolutely played Tekken. Yeah. Okay. I just like to, if any Tekken fans are out there and want to come on and explain the plot of Tekken, like, please do, because I know it's a fighting tournament, but like the whole Jin Kazama, like Demon Gene, I'm like, where on earth is this coming from? Where is it going? I, yeah, I'm not super familiar with Tekken. It was never one of those games. I feel like at some point, if you've been a gamer your whole life, there was a time when certain games tended to be on certain systems. And I feel like I was always a Sega guy. And in my head, I feel like Tekken was always on Nintendo. That may not be true, but I feel like there's certain games you may have gravitated towards based on what system you had. But yeah, I love Tekken, but I've never really, I've never really been a Tekken person. Yeah. Mortal Kombat is my is my number one fighting game. I think it's so good. I think the history is so good. And I was so bummed by the movie because I thought it was not good, the one that just came out. Like a you year. You didn't like Louis Tan? I love Louis Tan. I didn't think he was a great character. And I didn't understand why he had armor for no reason. And just like, I think Louis Tan is great. I love seeing Asian representation. And he's in something else that's coming out that I'm excited about. So love Louis but Tan. I didn't it was love like the, the rom-com with Emma Roberts. Or are you talking yes. about uh, Immortal, like the Immortal, not Immortal Instruments. It's the thing on Netflix season two, Shadow and Bone. Yes, Shadow that, and that's Bone. Yeah. Yes, okay. thank you. See, you know. Yes, I saw that he's in that. And I haven't watched the first season yet. But I was like, no, I like Louis Tan. And I love the Asian representation. But creating a new character to be the vehicle for a story is always tricky and cole turner i think that was his name just yep. didn't connect to me so and i really wanted to but i was like why does he have gold body armor i don't understand this so yeah yeah it confused me too i had fun seeing it but it did confuse me too um he made a post about tekken uh, not tekken uh mortal kombat yesterday with like more to come i'm like okay the movie did decent, but I just, I had such, not high expectations, but I loved the world so much. And even when they released the, kind of like the teaser, and it was just the first like five minutes of the movie, I thought this is going to be an amazing film. This scene in Japan is so cool. And then I was like, oh, that's why they only showed this to people, the critics. Because <laughs> the rest of the movie, I think it's a little disconnected, unfortunately. I still support and watched it, but I was like, oh, I didn't like this mostly. <laughs> I didn't, the thing that I couldn't get over, how do you have Melina and that katana? Like, I mean, because, you know, I mean, spoilers, people, not everyone survives this film. So even bringing in characters to die, what I think is kind of unceremoniously is kind of like, that's a bait and switch. I don't love that. Once again, with Louis Tan, as an X-Men fan, I love the character Shatterstar that he played in Deadpool 2. And the way they handled that, I was like, are you kidding me? That's, that's, I didn't love that. But even Lewis Tan himself has hinted that he's in Deadpool 3 again as Shatterstar. We hope. We hope. So we'll see what happens. I thought that's just such a cool character. And it is one of those rare gay characters people don't know. Shatterstar is gay. And to have him die so silly, it, it chapped my hide a bit. <laughs> I didn't believe he died the whole movie. I was just we'll like, oh, that. like the whole time I was watching it in theaters, I was like, he's not dead. <laughs> like there's a yeah. whole scene like from the trailer where they're all fighting they haven't done that yet no they yeah. just filmed fake scenes i was like damn it i know i know i know and there's all these great scenes that we've never really seen because they were just shot for kind of like promo and i didn't get to see shatterstar do anything and i liked his cool design so hopefully we see him again yep yep we hope and now that they announced deadpool 3 which by the way how great was that like little teaser <laughs> 
I mean, I think it's so cool that we live in a world where actors and stories from different companies and studios can still continue and they can blend in people from different worlds. I think that is the greatest thing. I think the multiverse is getting a little out of hand, but I love that there's different versions of characters all around that you can see and that nowadays if one character dies, it can be like, well, there's a billion other versions of different worlds, so you can never really say goodbye. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, we are way off video games, but <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. I just realized I was like, oh my god, we're not at comics yet. We're at video games, which we're blending. That's cool. Yes. But the or, the questions are ordered for a reason. Okay, yes. so back to video game world. All right. So you have you done Final Fantasies? No, you said or. And this is one of those things I'm always kind of slightly ashamed to say. I've kind of missed the Final Fantasy boat. I've played some of the games, but just the in-depth world and the characters, I don't know Final Fantasy very well. I fully respect the place it has in the industry and the amazing, beautiful characters and world it's created, but I don't know much about Final Fantasy. I used to have a, a Tifa figure, because I thought she was cool looking, but like I don't know much about Final Fantasy still. All right, um, Kingdom Hearts. Another one that I've missed the boat on. And it's one of those things where I want to buy the old games on PlayStation Network, but I don't think any of the Kingdom Hearts previous games are available for PS4. I don't think. Are yes, they? Yes, they are. They're in collector's editions. Okay. Because I was looking forever, and I'm a big Disney fan too, and I was like, this is a great blend of things. But for a while, I could not find access to any of the previous Kingdom Hearts games. But I love Disney. So that is something I would like to change. Yeah. Uh, okay. Have you ever heard of the game Legend of Dragoon? Of course. Oh my gosh, I love Legend of Dragoon. I had that on my, this is going to date me, people are not even know what this is. I had that on my Sega Saturn. I think I was one of the four people in the world that owned a Sega Saturn, and that's when I had the Legend of Dragoon. Yeah. Okay, so I asked someone this, like, what, last week when I was recording their episode? And holy cow, the amount of joy. Because only four people in the world know this game. Yes. It's such a cool game. And aren't they, isn't there a new one coming out? Or they're redoing or they're remastering or something? I thought there was news about a new Legend of Dragoon. There's always news about a new Legend of Dragoon. Okay. Yeah. I'm waiting. Yeah. <laughs> I have one of the best combat systems in video game history. <laughs> I love that game. Yeah, I absolutely had that. I had that game. No, I love that game. Uh, you play Dragon Age. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Ask me some games. See what I know. What's the last video game you bought? Bought uh, Fire Emblem Three Hopes. Okay, I've heard of that. That's a anime RPG, right? Basically. They, yeah. I don't think it's supposed to be, but it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> and is uh, that... How do you think that compares to, you know, the other RPGs out there? Is it pretty standard, even if, like, or is it fresh and different, or is it a nice, you know, what you're getting into with this game? Okay, well, if you know the Dynasty Warriors franchise, you know exactly mm -hmm. what you're getting into. The thing about okay. Fire Emblem Three Houses and then its spinoff game Three Hopes is that because there's three different houses and three there's three different paths, mm -hmm. so like the replay value is insane. That's very cool. Because it's so many, like, storyline breaks. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. Sorry, everyone, if you're not into video games and we're full tangenting and, and none of this means anything to you. But the video gamers hopefully are liking this segment. No. No. 
They, I do this with anyone that plays video games, so they should be used to it by now. 49 episodes and people. Perfect. <laughs> um, wow. Uh, okay. So, to wrap up video games, if you were to be isekai into a video game world, which one are you going to? And if you don't know what isekai is, let me know. I do. I do. Wow. But it's funny because um, thinking about it, I was like, oof. I do not want to live in the Mortal Kombat world. <laughs> that is way too intense. <laughs> even though it's one of my favorite games, that's a lot. And even thinking of like some of the fun superhero games I play, I'm like, I don't want to be in these crazy worlds either. I'm thinking very practically here. So I guess I'm thinking I would like to be in kind of a fantasy RPG world, a Dragon Age world. Do I want to be a Grey Warden necessarily? No. Do I want to be the Inquisitor? Maybe not. <laughs> but I think it could be cool to live in these worlds with all these fantasy characters and places to explore but yeah some of my favorite games i also play a lot of horror survival so like ah. silent hill and resident evil i don't want to be in any of those games <laughs> so probably a nice fantasy world where i could play with fairies and elves and maybe don't have to fight demons for the rest of my life yeah i was like the fact that you picked thetis alone i was like that's brave yeah. there are blights the blight <laughs> the blight i mean yeah, Dragon Age is a great game. So probably some of those. And then there's also, you know, I can have relationships and date people. And I think that's always so fun and cute. And, you know, maybe I don't want to be the front line of every single major battle. Maybe I'm an NPC. You know, maybe if I do transport to a world, I'm just, maybe I'm that poor woman who's like, I need an herb for my husband who has a cough. Can you help me? Maybe I'm one of those. <laughs> and I'm perfectly fine with it. I mean, literally just blowing you off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just walk right by. Yeah. <laughs> It is funny, you can tell too when someone's about to give you a quest and you're like, oh, I can't say no to these side quests. Don't give me another one. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, who's your go-to romance in, I guess, each of the Dragon Ages? We'll go through it. Oh, this is a deep question. I mean, because it's one of those things where I did play as a female mage mostly in Dragon Age 1. So uh, Alistair, you know, he's just a dream he's wonderful and sweet i don't think i really had a favorite in two i mean i think isabella was cool because i played different characters in that one but i don't know like a lot of people i don't know that i connected to dragon age 2 as much as dragon age 1 of course and dragon age 3 is kind of so huge it's it's hard to pick someone too like i don't oh, know sure. and you never beat it <laughs> but that's the thing that's the thing like some of these games people don't understand you can kind of play forever like the game doesn't like you've won the end like it can kind of go on for as long as you want it to go on for but i mean i think i have such a soft spot soft spot for alistair and i mean cullen you could romance in two who was kind of like alistair b right he's in three he's an in inquisition he's an in inquisition okay yeah but you know it just it's so fun to try to romance these characters and find out what they like and what they don't like and it's so funny how for people who don't play video games you can make a wrong move and the person will like you less even though you're trying to make them like you and you're like damn it <laughs> so yeah so let me tell you this fun story because i don't know if i've said it on the podcast before so everyone okay i know your episode keeps cross-promoting with everyone in any Perfect. other episode on earth all right everyone if you want to hear more about me in Dragon Age, go to episode 19. Brad came on. He was my roommate in college. I got him into Dragon Age by accident. Here's how. So I had Dragon Age and I played like the beginning. I was like a rogue. 
male like royal thing and i got to ostagar and i was like i hate this combat i'm done <laughs> if i played 10 more minutes i would have met morgan and i would have been back in <laughs> morgan yeah but so Brad came into my dorm and he's like looking at my games because it was funny. Each of us, we were four people in the, like the suite and each one of us had our own PS4s and we were like, okay, whatever. Well, we'll trade games. It's not a big deal. We live together. What are you going to do? So he came in and he's like, can I try Dragon Age? He's like, please keep it. I hate the game. <laughs> <laughs> so five hours later, I like go and find him. I'm like, are we eating? <laughs> like dinner, what are you doing? He's like, I'm playing Dragon Age. It's so fun. I'm like, how is it fun? And at that point, Brad was not a big gamer at that point. So he was just meeting like the Chantry sister mm -hmm. where you get the option of threatening her or like. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that. And so I was like, threaten her, get the damn key. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. yeah. And then but Brad was like, no, I need, I need Alistair to like me. And I was like, Who cares about Alistair? Get yeah. the thing, free the guy. Let's go. <laughs> I want to eat. Yeah. <laughs> and then so he listened to me and then it was like morgan approves and i was like oh yeah i mean it's such a great game it just my only complaint and complaint is relative but it's like it is a bummer when you meet some amazing characters that you can never play as like you know who i would love to play as flemeth i would love to play as like this dragon witch queen character i think she's so cool and just you know, Morgan, Morgan is cool, but she, spoiler alert, she gives you some very specific weird decisions towards the end of the game. And it's like, what? <laughs> but that's what I loved about the game. Not everything was about battles and saving the world. Sometimes it was like, hey, do you want to have a kid? I, you know, was not prepared for that. <laughs> so. Morgan is the number one cosplay I do around the world, <sighs> everyone. Oh, yeah, that's can. fun. I, it's hard to see you a little, but I can see the costume. Yeah. So. Morgan and her mom, I think they're great. I think they're great characters. They are. Yeah, no, I'll send you the photos later. But, yeah, if you've seen me around conventions, people, most of the time, if I am dressed up, I don't dress up that much lately. It's a lot of work. And again, I'm hot. So I'd rather just wear a tank top and shorts. Exactly. Exactly. What about you? Who are your favorite people to romance? Some of those romances can go terribly wrong, but who are you? some of your people? Zevran. Okay. Oh, God. What's his name? The angry elf guy. In two. Solus? Had the long... oh. oh, in two. What was like a Two was a blur to me because they right. reused so many backgrounds. It's hard to remember two a lot. Well, I don't remember who the elf was in two. Oh, uh, nope, I don't. Oh my God. Okay, I'm Googling it real fast because this is horrible <laughs> that I can't remember this. She was um, a bit blurry for a lot of us. Fenris. Fenris. There we go. Yeah. So it was Zevran, Fenris, and then, surprisingly, Sarah. I was going to say you have a penchant for elves until Sarah. Oh, Sarah, yeah. Sarah. Yes. Oh, so you do like elves. Oh, I guess you're right. I guess. <laughs> okay. No, really? but... You're an elf chaser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I just, I, I, unlike you, I played Inquisition many, many playthroughs. Mm -hmm. And Sarah's romance is the only one that I'm like, yeah, I dig this. Yeah. You know who I don't like? Controversial Anders. 
no, not at all. Nothing for me, you know? Yep. So, and some of the options are so limited. I mean, it's getting better and better. And I'm happy there's even options for LGBTQIA characters. But sometimes you have one option and you're like, eh, I don't want to romance you. That was Can the Andorian. Yeah. <laughs> do, see, and I, here's a funny thing. And I don't look like it now. I've always wanted to do a good Dorian cosplay because sometimes he gets a little whitewashed. He's supposed to be a person of color, which some people don't understand. So, like, I've always wanted to do a good Dorian cosplay. I just haven't done it yet. I think I should do a big Dragon Age group cosplay. And that'd be so much fun. But yeah, I would love to be Dorian. I thought he was a great character. Let me know because I can come then. See? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll... Dorian. Dorian's a good one. No, I'll come. I'll bring my, what's it called, my Morgan. And yeah, I don't know if I could get the staff on a plane. Can I get the staff on a plane? Uh, nowadays, I have no idea. You know what? Screw it. I made it at Michael's. It's fine. I'll get See. it. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, that's Dragon Age, everyone. Um, and that's the world you're going to go to. You are brave. I don't want to be anywhere near a blight. I mean, maybe I would say Dragon Age 2 because that's kind of the more boring world. <laughs> or maybe I could live a normal life. Or maybe, I don't know. Maybe I, I'm into Vinter. Or where do I want to be in Dragon Age? I mean... I don't want to be in the Chantry. This is very specific dirt talk, everyone. Sorry. But I'll think about what world I want to go to. Because I think for the next Dragon Age, they're going back to Thetis, I believe. I thought they were going to Tevinter. Are they? Well, oh, it yeah, is. Be, you have no idea what happens. I could be wrong, but it's like, you know, they've been working on the next Dragon Age for years. And the progress is so slow that we'll be so excited when it finally comes out. But it is a long time coming, this next one. I hope it's good. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to pivot now to back uh, again, I guess, to comics. Oh, my God. You're a comic reader. Yay. Huge comic reader. Grew up reading comics, still read comics. I mean, and th th this is some good stuff. H hold on to your you know, pants, everyone, because this is another topic I can get very passionate about. So here we go. Comic books. Cool. Which ones you read? X-Men has always been my touchstone. I mean, and for reasons I probably didn't understand until I was an adult. But X-Men is such a great comic for all the things it represents and characters it's created. It's gotten a little crazy nowadays where people be like, oh, hey, what's up with X-Men? And I'm like, they Ugh. live on this fantastic, magical orgy island and they can't die. I was like, it's gotten very big. I was like, Storm is the ruler of Mars. It's gotten very big. <laughs> and has a seat on like three different councils. I know, I know. And Storm's my favorite, so I'm glad she's, you know, running the ship. But it's like... I was like, we've gotten very big from mutant mobs attacking people in alleys. Storm is fighting aliens to the death on like a daily basis now. <laughs> so X-Men is always my favorite. I've always been more of a Marvel person than DC. Definitely appreciate DC, but X-Men has always been my main, main one. So it's been really painful to wait in terms of the MCU because right. my X-Men are not coming anytime soon. They're literally like, oh, we have no idea when they're coming, which they're, they're lying a bit. Mutants are starting to slowly infiltrate the MCU, but it's like X-Men is not coming for years, as far as we know. So Right. Yeah. But yeah, okay, so X-Men's your jam, like every other geek mm -hmm. kid in the 90s. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, wait, sorry, I was trying to find the right tab. Okay, so... Speaking of the MCU, how do you feel about Marvel comic fans versus MCU-only fans? 
I mean, it's such a thing, right? And I understand both sides of it because I identify as an actual comic book fan where I may not love everything the MCU does, but I understand it's a different world and it's a different adaptation. What I really don't like as a comic fan is when the MCU starts changing histories and canon things that the comic books start following. That drives me nuts. When X-Men was, you know, kind of on the outs because they weren't owned by the MCU mm. and Marvel Comics started kind of tanking X-Men titles and even retconning things like, well, certain characters can't mix in the MCU, so Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver aren't Magneto's kids anymore. I was furious. Me too. I hated all of that. I hated that. And I refused to accept it. It's not canon in my world. But I They don't also retconned like... that back. I know, I know. So it's like I I don't like when the movies dictate the original content and actually change it for comic books. But the MCU is its own world and it's its own thing. And it's not just for comic fans. It is for all the people who weren't comic fans. And I'm excited it's brought new interest and did I ever think I'd live in a world where there'd be an Avengers campus to visit and see these characters you grew up reading about? Like that's really, really cool. So there is a big difference in it's just a very different worlds, the comic book fans versus the MCU world. And if you're smart, you can navigate both, but some people have very strong opinions on either. Okay, so I'm glad, okay, again, I thought this is where I was gonna lose you because, okay, we talked about gatekeeping earlier. I'm gonna say it now, no. Okay, I'm not a perfect person, everyone, but I'm so proud of this. I am a damn gatekeeper of these damn comics and I hate <laughs> these MCU only fans. They drive me insane. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's specific because, you know, you've grown up loving these characters and knowing these worlds. And sometimes it does kind of feel like, oh, I was a fan my whole life and I've like financially supported this world. And then these new kids come in and they get the characters they want. And I'm like, what about me? I've been supporting this world before it was cool. Because people seem to forget it was not cool to like comics for most of history. Right. It was considered geeky at best, if not outright comics are dangerous for the health of young people and comics are completely flippant, superfluous things to write. It was not cool to be into comics for most of my life. It never stopped me. People would think it was strange I went to WonderCon and went to all these comic conventions and now it's cool. So there is a bit of that, ah, oh, you new kids got it so easy. It was not cool to like comics for a very long time. Right. And like, okay, so spoiler alerts for movies that have been out for a while because we haven't had a new mcu film in a while which is fine because that means we could talk about it also this yeah. comes out in two weeks so we're not going to know anything different anyway unless right. something gets leaked all right yeah. so i was sitting in for doctor strange 2 and the trailers are coming up right mm -hmm. and like thor love and thunder's trailers going through and this guy yeah. sits next to me he's like you know rumor has it that's jane foster i was like read a fucking comic <laughs> rumor has it I know it's like yes, it I, and it's hard not to, you know, not gatekeep. But when some people are like, "Oh, I don't get that. Who is that?" and I'm like, oh, "Why don't you know who that is?" Like I can't help but kind of feeling that way. Or even sometimes there is really good fan service in the MCU movies, but just like when I saw Doctor Strange: The Multiverse of Madness. Spoiler alert, people, cover your ears if you don't want to hear anything. But when Clea shows up at the very end, me and my friend that I went with, we both kind of like jumped on our seats like oh my god that's so cool she's there and i could tell the entire theater didn't know or care who that character was and it's like 
she's the sorcerer supreme right now in the comics she's the one calling the shots she's took his role and you people don't even know who she is and so it's kind of like some of these things are lost on people who are just mcu fans and also i'll be honest i had no idea who clea was which is weird because i never i followed the line about who's the next supreme i never finished it so that might be why but I was just like, oh my God, it's Charlize Theron. Like, I was excited. Yeah. So people thought I knew. And they were asking me, who is that? I'm like, I don't know. But she's <laughs> relevant, obviously. So go with it. But this is one of the few times I didn't know what the thing was. What's so funny, too, because sometimes, you know, it. I heard rumors forever that she was going to be Clea in the movie. And it's so funny that most of the time these rumors are true. You know, like whenever you hear a weird stunt casting, half the time they're true. So I think that's kind of cool that she did show up. And, you know, I think there's a good balance. It's hard to have that balance, but to keep the fans happy of the comics and the, the movies, it is a tricky thing. I'm not saying I could do it, but, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's hard. So, yes, as an old school comic fan, there's rarely a reference I don't get, which I think gives me a more enriching experience and people being like, who's that? Who's that guy that showed up? And it's just like, okay, that's Hercules. That did it like people don't know who these characters are. So it's hard for them to get excited when it's like cutscenes have characters they don't care about yet. And the thing about the whole adaptations and understanding it's the world, what drove me insane about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was when they dubbed the MCU 616. I was like, no, Stanley literally gave the MCU its own number. I know, and all the different worlds and the 616 is, and, you know, depending on whoever you speak to about the films, they'd be like, oh, no, this is 616. They go, oh, no, it's not. It's this one. And it's like, I have no idea anymore. I had a lot of functional problems with Multiverse of Madness, and I'm a huge Scarlet Witch fan. So I came away from that movie with very conflicted feelings. Yes, I had to go see it again to figure that out. <laughs> and it's just, I mean, Elizabeth Olsen even talks about it, that the director never even saw WandaVision. They shot it so quickly after there was absolutely no connection. Because even right. people talk about whatever she heard at the end of WandaVision, they never addressed. She heard her kids in peril and we never addressed what she heard or why they were in peril. She wasn't just sensing her kids were somewhere else. There was danger there. And like, there was no connection. And I was so disappointed that I was like, she's a villain again. She's an outright crazy villain slaughtering tons of people again. And just like that arc didn't make sense to me. Even Olsen it, says, I, I'll come back, but the script has to make sense. She's like, it can't just be because I'm filling a contract, which I feel like Multiverse of Madness was a contractual obligation for her. She didn't love the plot. I don't think she loved the plot either. And I think she was just as confused as everyone else because usually MCU shit is like laid out. <laughs> I think they're losing themselves in phase four. I think they've gotten very big and there's so many properties and 20 TV shows, 50 movies on the schedule. It's getting near impossible to keep track of everything and to keep everyone on the same page. And I think Multiverse of Madness was the first movie where I was like, ooh, they're, they're getting a little messy. They're getting a little confusing. They're getting a little off-brand, I feel like. Also, the amount of stuff that happened in Multiverse that pissed me off not because it happened the way it happened, because again, I get it. It has to adapt. You know, yeah. we can't save everything. But I'm like, Wonthagore Mountain being reduced to like a snowy mountain. I was like, there are villages on that mountain that we need people. <laughs> I so appreciate you, you know that. Because the second they there, I was like, oh, it's Wondagore. And I was I like, that's so cool. I yeah. screamed in the theater. I was like, <sighs> and then everyone's yeah. like looking at me. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. 
And so that's the thing. It is funny to see the film as a comic fan. We do understand so much more than other people do. And it's like, guys, read some of the comics or read some of the stuff online. There's so much good info. Because you're going to get, yeah, you're going to get more out of these movies if you know some of these characters and locations and like, oh, this is huge. We're here. This is huge. We're seeing this character. And not everyone gets the impact of those things. Right. And the fact that the Scarlet Witch, first of all, something that's pissed me off forever about like the way that Wanda and Pietro or Peter, was he in MCU? Whatever. Everyone gets what I mean. Technically, yes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is like Jewish erasure. Flat out Jewish erasure. I mean, it's, it's, you know, we talk, it's, it's the adaptations, right? They have to make choices. They have to do certain things, but just in general, when, and I like Elizabeth Olsen a lot now, but when they're like, she's Scarlet Witch, I was like, what? I was like, Scarlet Witch is like super European, like heavy accent, big mm-hmm. curly ethnic hair. And I was like, wow, they picked a person who looks nothing like her. And then to sometimes get like the hints of the character where it's like, oh, she did do the accent. Oh, she does have dark hair. And then all of a sudden she's totally American and has blonde hair. And I'm like, what happened? <laughs> What happened to my Wanda, who could like barely speak English? Like, it's a different character arc. So, I think they're losing their their plan a bit. I don't know, Marvel. Yeah, and like, not true. Looks wise, I didn't even think of that. I just meant I was like, there were so many moments where they could have like, you know, a little menorah in the background in WandaVision, like subtle details they could have brought in. Just like so much. Like, she's supposed to be, like, an undercover spy now, like, equal to Black Widow because she was taught by her during, like, Civil War. And I was like, you think a spy wouldn't manipulate the fact they're multilingual, like, have her no Hebrew for, like, a second? You know, and it's just so funny because, you know, as fans, we can nitpick forever. But even when people don't know who Scarlet Witch is and she, well, when Wanda popped up because they couldn't call her Scarlet Witch yet, you know, and Avengers Age of Ultron, I was like, oh, She's just now, she's just a shooter. She just shoots little bolts at people. I was like, she can warp reality. I was like, her hex bolts were so funny in the comics because she couldn't control them in the early stages. She could do a hex and it could fail. She wouldn't know what it would do. Someone could be shooting bullets and she turned into flowers or like they were turning into spears. Like it was a very unreliable power, which I thought was so neat. And then to have her kind of just become in Multiverse of Madness, a shooter who just shot beams, I was like, didn't we just learn she was a powerful witch and she can bend reality? I just, sometimes there was an oversimplification, which I didn't love, but we can nitpick forever. <laughs> we can, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Um, I love Scarlet Witch, big fan of hers. I didn't love Multiverse of Madness. No. And it's not just her, I have issues with people. If you want to know, let me know. I will t- I will message anyone about this for days. Yeah. And happily. By the way, okay, so you're reading the comics. What do you think of Axe? Avengers versus X-Men versus Eternals? I don't know much about it yet. It's just, and that's one of those things too, where I know that like the entire arc is influenced by the MCU and why these characters are even interacting and stuff now. So I don't know much about it because here's a big admission. There's a lot of Marvel movies I haven't seen kind of recently, but the one that I'm most lamenting, I haven't watched it, is Eternals. I haven't watched Eternals because not for any good reason. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. So I don't actually know much about what's going on with this current arc, but I know that, you know, it's all MCU based at this point, a lot of the characters. So 
do you like what's going on? Does it make sense? Is it just another random crossover? You know, I think it's making. I can tell you the premise, like, because the premise is totally like normal. I would say, yeah, because honestly, there's only like two issues out anyway. So okay, yeah. So I can tell you the premise. The premise is because you mentioned Krakoa earlier. I hope I'm saying it right, but that's how I've always said it. Yeah, yeah. So the whole thing about how do you know who the Eternals are? By the way, I did not until their movie. You know, I'm someone who I knew Cersei. Mm-hmm. I knew Cersei as a character, and I was, thought it was so cool that Gemma Chan played her, and they made her Asian because she wasn't technically Asian in the comics. And I was like, "Yay!" She got kind of pushed under the radar by Angelina Jolie being Thena, which I thought was a little annoying. But I was like, Cersei is kind of the cool main Eternal, so I knew Cersei, mm-hmm. who also had great powers that didn't—not that it didn't work, but they were so diverse that like she could almost do anything. She could right. change matter. I don't know how they described it in the movie, but she could do almost anything kind of like organic matter. So I didn't see Eternals. So I don't know what the Eternals are doing in this new. Aren't the mutants, aren't they considered deviants now? Yes. And that's the whole thing. So like yeah. the whole premise is apparently like Avengers. Sorry guys, we are geeking out here. If this means nothing to you, continue. <laughs> apparently the Avengers recently um, abandoned Avengers headquarters and went into a Okay, uh, apparently, like, the things that the deviants are... The Eternals are keeping deviants away for, like, giant robot things. Kind of look like Sentinels, but they're not. Right. And so the Avengers are now using one of those bodies as, like, a headquarters, which I'm, like, ew, disgusting, but okay. I don't care if it's a robot. (laughs) But because, like, it's a huge power source and no one's using it. It's in Antarctica or North Pole, so we're just there. Right. And so... so Oh, right. Yes. mm Mm-hmm. So the whole thing about it is that the Eternals are being like, it's like a new life system cycle for them. So they're being sent to Earth. They're like, look, mutants, deviations, they're deviants now. Mm-hmm. Go genocide. Also, why are they using this dead body of one of our people? Get rid of the adventures <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know much about the Axe storyline, but the Eternals are a cool group, but they were never super prominent in the comics. So it is like, okay, this is great. They get a time to shine because of the movies. But I know even the movie people had mixed feelings on. So it seems like it's one of the movies that a lot of people didn't see. I liked the movie actually a lot. I good. thought it was a good take. I was happy with all the representation we got. I wasn't offended at any point really yeah. by any of it. So I liked the movie. But oh, the other thing is too that the Avengers are freaking out about is just why they're getting so involved in like, mutants versus like celestials is the fact that because mutants can regenerate at will now Mm -hmm. come back alive and so can eternals they're like oh my god these super powered like races are about to like go at each other and they can't die yeah i mean the avengers too in the comics personally the avengers were always kind of to me like a stay in your lane mind your own business (laughs) they always seem to kind of be policing other people's stuff but they're not always around when the people need help and they've even gone into that in the comics as a nerd when yes. i forget what arc it was when iron man was asking the x-men for help and emma said where were you when our children burned on genosha you didn't help us we're staying out of this this is your fight that yeah. was avengers versus no that wasn't it was civil war i think it was it was civil war yeah and, yeah, and the x-men stayed out of it and they were until like the this very is not end. our fight until the very end yeah and so I, yeah the avengers sometimes are <laughs> they need to mind their business, I feel like. That's they a great choice to make involved. Yeah. All right. Um, so <laughs> you're a horror genre fan. Yes, absolutely. Something that I really don't think people know 
about you, so I want to dive into that too. Yeah, please. What is the allure of the horror for you? And it's, I was thinking about that and trying to, I don't know what it is. I know partly for me, and probably for a lot of people, is a lot of horror does have that fantasy, paranormal, supernatural aspect that I love. I'm not as into slashers as much or home invasion or torture porn. I like to see ghosts and demons. And I think that's kind of fun because I love fantasy. And so horror does have a lot of those aspects to it. But culturally, I know also the LGBTQIA community has a huge affinity for horror. And there's something about, it's a fascinating subject that I don't know what really is the appeal of horror to people. But I think there is something that's just very stimulating and engaging. Obviously the distraction is great, but I think there's so much great horror out there that explore subjects that can make us uncomfortable or can scare us. And I think horror can push people to experience more and to think outside of themselves, which maybe other movies don't in that way. And I think the stakes are always high in horror because lots of times people are going to die. So I think there's just, there can be a lot of great storytelling in horror films or comics or books that never really gets the respect it deserves because it's considered kind of fodder. It's considered, you know, a lot of comics were horror back in the day. And it's considered kind of this like layman's version of storytelling. And I think horror has so much to offer and people are slowly starting, I think, to accept horror as a viable thing. I mean, so many amazing actors and actresses have played great horror roles that they absolutely should have been nominated for and they weren't because it's a horror film. I mean, talking about movies like Hereditary, Tony Collette absolutely should have been nominated for an award for that film. That movie was intense and really amazing. And so I'm hoping horror becomes more and more mainstream. I know part of its appeal is that it is kind of counterculture, but horror I don't think is going anywhere anytime soon. And you know, it's October, it's spooky month, so everyone loves horror again now. And that's always a fun time. Yeah. No, you're totally right about that. Actually, a lot of my colleagues, friends, people I know are doing like a lot of research and like, I don't know. Okay, when I say research in quotes, people, I'm not trying to down research. I just don't know if they're doing research or just studies about like the themes of horror. And apparently like most zombie movies are like native indigenous people allegories. Interesting. Yeah, I think there's a lot of metaphorical stuff in horror films for what the movie represents or what the antagonist represents. That's really interesting. I've never heard that. Yeah, and so zombies have been getting a lot of looks at lately. Um, I forgot what other creatures of the horror genre, but like lots of meta things are coming into play. So I really do feel like what you're saying is totally correct that horror is being legitimized now in academia, slowly, slowly. It's people our age. But still. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think also the LGBTQIA community, there can be a lot of outsiders in horror films, whether it's the antagonist or maybe some of the people, there's a lot to identify with where this person's different, maybe not accepted by society, maybe obviously a killer and no one wants to be that. But I think people can see themselves as fringe and outcasts in these roles and they can see they can empathize with that experience with the antagonist. Even if they're awful, I think people can see, oh, this, this person had a terrible life. Terrible things happened to them. Or they were, you know, I, I think people can identify with 
those outcast type characters. And I think there's a lot of those in horror. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, I love the empowerment themes that have been coming through with horror lately. Mm -hmm. Lots of like final girls are now becoming empowered final girls. Yeah. They're not just lucky. They're actually yeah. getting autonomy, figuring out ways to live and maybe get revenge. I'm not a horror yeah. genre fan, people. I just like reading the plot. I'm too scared yeah. to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think yeah, even just the, the transformation of the final girl, opposed to being the girl who kind of just maybe lucks out and survives because she adheres to puritanical views of not having sex or having fun or doing anything. And I think now it's becoming much more nuanced where the final girl can be anyone. You know, it doesn't have to be this person that looks like this or did this or didn't do that. Now the main star can be almost anyone. Mm -hmm. And more LGBTQIA horror films are coming out, which I think is great. So, yeah. Yeah. And Jamie Lee Curtis is still repping at her age. I mean, the Halloween franchise is still kicking. Like, I have my own thoughts about the new movies, but I think it's so cool that kind of like the ultimate final girl is still going and she's a woman of a certain age and she's mm -hmm. literally still kicking and fighting. <laughs> and I think that's really, really, really cool because I think the movie industry and society in general tends to, we talked about this, once you're of a certain age, you're kind of out to pasture. And by lots of people's considerations, Jamie Lee Curtis is, how old is she, do you think? 60, uh, I can 70, pull that real fast. So it's like, she's still the final girl. She's the final woman and she's still here. And I think that's really, really cool. 63. Soon to be 64. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, that's great. The lead of this of these films is not a young, sexy ingenue who's tripping in the forests and her top's coming off. Like, this is a woman who's fighting and dealing with trauma. And I think that's a really cool representation of a horror film that we're starting to see more of. Who they let keep their gray hair. I know, right? That's, that's what used to be unheard of, you know? Mm -hmm. So... Jamie Lee Curtis is doing some really, really great work for the horror genre, and I think that's pretty cool. And just in general, like, I think Jamie Lee Curtis got became an officiant to, like, do her daughter's wedding. Her daughter oh. who married another lady. Yeah. And, like, apparently they had a cosplay wedding, so Jamie was like, I don't know who to be, just give me a costume. So they made her Jana Proudmore from Warcraft. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. She seems like a very cool lady. That's very, very cool. Yeah. Uh, so, because horror is your shtick, what's the scariest thing you've seen? Movie? Yeah, or what a horror genre thing ever. Oh, that's such a good question. There's so many good ones. I mean, I do reference Hereditary because I think it is really a modern classic. Did you ever see Hereditary? Uh, absolutely not. Okay. It's intense. <laughs> it's intense. I mean, I'm a seasoned horror fan. I've seen everything. But in that film, I was like, oh shit this is intense this is crazy this is wild so i think hereditary is a modern classic fascinating film but you also can't go wrong with movies like the shining movies that kind of stay with you where it's it may not be jump scares but the idea of this place and what happens there can kind of creep you out even after the film so i mean there, there's so many good films i'm trying to think of what is the scariest movie i think i've ever seen I mean, speaking of zombies, seeing 28 Days Later in the theaters, I thought was really, really cool. And that was a great experience. And I think even when I saw it, the volume was turned up way too loud. So it was so jarring, that whole movie. And it was one of the first movies where we started seeing the aggressive running zombies. 
And I thought that was pretty terrifying. This isn't some shambling, rickety thing you can walk by. These things were chasing people and screaming, and they were infected with rage. So I do think that 28 Days Later movie is one of the absolute best zombie movies out there. Huh. I think Danny Boyle's the director. Yep. Yeah. Really, really good. It turned, I thought, the zombie genre on its head and kind of did that iconic someone waking up in the hospital, which is a trope that she was like crazy now when the zombie apocalypse happened. And they're like, where is everybody? And just, I think that's such a scary feeling too. To wake up and you didn't know you were unconscious and the world is empty, that's terrifying. You don't know where anyone is or what happened. That's some real horror. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to laugh. Do you want to hear what the scariest thing I ever saw was? Tell me. Donnie Darko. No, that had some chilling, dark aspects. Yeah, that, that's a dark, scary, unnerving film. Especially because I didn't realize it was based off of what, the area I went to high school in. That's interesting. And so I literally was like looking it up afterwards because I was like, look, why is this scaring the crap out of me? Ah, shit. This is based off the high school I substituted at like last week. So it was close to home. It was but close to home. <laughs> I I was the worst person to watch it with. It was like my friend's favorite movie and she was showing the two of us and they were stunned that I was willing to watch it because they told me Demon Bunny. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever, fine. I think I can handle it. Yeah. Absolutely not. That damn yeah. cellar door. I was screaming the whole movie. And like, let me tell you, there's not a lot of jump scares in Donnie Darko, everyone. Yeah. No, it's, it is that chilling, unnerving you think about it after. Even just thinking about that bunny look, it is like, oh, what is it? Why does it look like that? That's a good character creation. Cause it's like, what is that damn thing? I still think about that. Yeah. That character. And the thing that got me, I was like, oh my God, this is depicting schizophrenia. So mm. that's not something I could run away from. It's just going to mm. appear sometimes. And I was like, I'm dying. I'm done. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. So no, that's I a did, good, that's a good film. I did get through the movie. <laughs> I'm very proud of that. But to this day, to this day oh and also the area i live now i found out is 10 minutes away from where the inspiration of the damn movies from too so it took place like in the high school i was working at by where i was high school i moved away and apparently there's like the legend of the bunny man around here and i'm like ah shit and it was like yep that's where they got the idea of the movie from i was like <laughs> that's so interesting i don't think i knew it had any real world connections or uh like inspiration that's really interesting Okay, so I'll tell you later because I don't want to dox where I live entirely. So yes. <laughs> I'll totally tell you later. Uh, but yeah. Okay, so yeah, really horror cool. genre wise, what are you recommending to people? Oh, you know, it's a really good movie that I was surprised by that. I mean, I, I think A24 is an amazing um, studio. They're a production studio. They make lots of great horror films. Their last movie that I saw by them, X, I thought was really, really good. And I knew the rough plot line. I was kind of like, eh, why am I seeing this? It seems like a normal horror film. I thought it was so good and so unnerving and something I'd never seen before. And then they made like a sequel, like they shot it right after. X I thought was really, really cool. It was a really cool movie. And just, I don't know if I can describe what it's about, but it takes place in the seventies. People are going to shoot an adult film at a, you know, distant farm and they haven't expressed to the owners what they're doing there and things unfold from there. And it was really creepy and unnerving and 
I had such a fun time. I thought it was totally fun. A great horror film for me, not only should be scary, I should be thoroughly entertained and telling people to watch it again. And I absolutely thought X was a good enough movie to tell people, you should go see this. It's pretty creepy. And A24 also made Everything Everywhere all at once. Do you know I still haven't seen it? Oh my God. I know, I know. And I'm a huge Michelle Yeoh fan. I always have been, and I love her. And it's just one of those things I didn't get to. And I'm, I'm hoping still in LA, it's in theaters somewhere here. But I want to support her. I want to support that film. I want to support everything she does. I think she's phenomenal. For someone that was like, you know, I am so pro Asian representation, like the biggest Asian rep film of all time you haven't seen still. I know, I know, I know. It just, things got busy and guilt about going to see movies and I have work to do, but I will absolutely support and see it. I'm sure I'll buy the D, the Blu-ray, which no one does anymore. I'll rent, I'll do all the things because that movie meant a lot for lots of reasons and it meant a lot to her too. So I'm glad to see her in a million different projects right now. I'm so excited people are finally catching on to this woman I thought has been amazing her entire life and people now are starting to book her. Which I never realized that she had a struggle like getting in things because everything I saw she was in. Yeah, and now she's starting to get, you know, she's on a Netflix show, and she's on, I think she's on two Netflix shows, and just she's starting to book work, and she's like, I'm proud people can now see what I'm capable of. I can do lots of roles, and it's like, she's had are we really sleeping? MCU yeah, exactly. I was like, are y'all sleeping on Michelle Yeoh, the female Jackie Chan, for lack of a better, like, reference point, like, his number one go-to girl, like, Michelle Yeoh is amazing, 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 amazing. Yeah. You know, a woman of color who's of a certain age who is still literally, once again, kicking. <laughs> so, big fan of hers. Yep. Uh, oh, okay. So, this is something I didn't put on the sheet because I just wanted your genuine reaction to. Mm -hmm. It's nothing that's not, it's not a get your question. Don't worry. But, okay. Throughout my life, I have been watching all these shows and then realizing they're within the horror genre. So, I want to know what you think about Teen Wolf, Buffy. Like, all these shows that are not super, super scary, they're just supernatural, paranormal, yeah. being considered horror. I mean, I love that. I think the the definition of horror is so open-ended. Because I think a lot of people think horror is seeing something killing something else. And sometimes, one of the most horrific movies I've ever seen, um, trigger warning, there's some weird cannibalistic stuff, sorry, is a movie called Dumplings. And I don't remember if it is Korean or if it's Chinese, but it's about a woman who, trigger warning, eats fetuses to stay young. And that is horrific on its own. And this isn't a jump scare. No one's getting killed. No one's getting chased. But that was absolutely a horror film. You hear her eating and she's crunching and she's like, oh yeah, those are the ear bones. I'm like, oh my God, this is so gross. And it was such a tale of vanity and what people will do to stay young and stay relevant. But that's a horror film. No one was getting killed. No one was getting chased. No one, there's no ghosts. So I think horror is so open-ended that it can be in a lot of different venues. And I grew up watching Buffy. I was in high school when Buffy was on. So literally it was like, it was so, we could so identify. Everyone my age watched Buffy and Angel and your high school experience was mirrored by hers. And there were definitely some scary episodes, like the the gentleman episode of People Watch Buffy. I think that one won an Emmy. And no the one only spoke. episode to one and win an Emmy. Hush. Yeah. Hush, thank you. 
is a horrific episode. And I don't even know if anyone even dies in it, but it is horrific. So it's, I think that making horror more accessible is a great thing. Cause yeah, Buffy's absolutely horror. There are monsters every time things are getting killed. People are getting killed and people don't think of Buffy as horror. They think of it as like a teen high school movie. And it's like, yes, that was the frame, but it's absolutely horror. And I never watched Teen Wolf. I mean to in, high, in hindsight, because it seems like a great show, but I never actually watched any of Teen Wolf. And so this is how I started to realize that I can watch the horror genre. It's because something psychological and super about me. I can watch horror stuff if it is people on equal playing fields. Interesting. Yes. Yes. It is the psychological like chase I cannot handle. Mm-hmm. But if Buffy like gets killed, sorry, they just outsmarted you, Buffy, and your friends. Like <laughs> and yeah. that I can handle. That's a really good point. I mean, the level playing field of people who can defend themselves and fight back, and it gives a little more agency to the protagonist, if you will. Because it's funny, it reminds me of an ex-boyfriend of mine was very, very afraid of death, reasonable. And so he didn't like horror films. And so in my head, I was like, oh, bring it back to video games. I was like, you should play a horror survival game so you're in control of the character and you can fight back and you can have some autonomy about your character. And I thought that was a brilliant idea. I read the room wrong because he felt too immersed and it freaked him out. And so he was like, I'm being chased by things and things are trying to kill me. And I was like, ah. I did this wrong, <laughs> but I genuinely thought him having control of a protagonist who could fight and do things would help, but he just felt he was then actually actively being chased and it was too immersive. So I read that one wrong. I mean, it's a, it's not an unheard tactic because yeah. yeah. And know, maybe it, Silent Hill wasn't the one to have him play my bad. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> right, Silent Hill is a great video game and a decent movie, but yeah. I read that room wrong. I'm not going to deny what you said either, but oh my God, that's so intense. I know, but I was like, maybe if he can fight back. And I was like, nope, he's too immersed. It's too close to home. He's identifying too much with what's happening. So that's horror for you. It's not for everyone. Nah, but also fun fact, I really came to a head with it was American Horror Story. Mm. The witch seasons where they are all just like being stupid and vain. (laughs) I'm like, I don't feel bad for any of you. You guys just got distracted and outsmarted. Horror is interesting. American Horror Story, I think, is a great relatable aspect. Where lots of people who maybe don't watch American Horror Story, or who don't watch horror, watch American Horror Story. Lots of normies watch American Horror Story, because I think it is more accessible horror, which is great. But it's like, it is a different... I mean, in a million years, did I think we would have an, an anthology American Horror Story type series no this was unheard of kind of for a while so i'm really excited that that world exists and it's opened up a lot of doors for lots of other horror creators do i think american horror story is a brilliantly written series no do i think it's fun and engaging and every new season you you are kind of like oh what's the new theme i think that's great i think it's great for horror what he's done and how accessible he's made it and you know, I think it's great. I almost like the idea of American Horror Story more than the actual show, if that makes sense. That makes total sense, because like you said, yeah. the writing is very iffy. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, so 
we have one last question in this and it's Here we go. Be... Thank you for hanging in there, everyone, <laughs> as we geeked out over video games and comics for like an hour. Uh, as we should. We don't get to a lot. <laughs> no. Especially with someone with those equal footing that you knew what was up in the comics. So it's like, you yeah, know, yeah. I don't get that a lot. Especially, I think you're the first person on the show that could actually like go toe-to-toe -to -toe with me. Oh, good. I can always talk comics. And we live in a great world now, too, where even if you can't collect all the comics yourself, because it can get very hard to, if there's a crossover, I'm having to get 20 titles a week. That's too much. Now I can read, you know, um, breakdowns of what happened in this comic or what's happening in this arc. And I can kind of keep up without having to buy a million comics every month. And there's YouTube channels and YouTubers that will Absolutely. wrap it up for me. I'm like, great, give me a two minute wrap. <laughs> I love that because I can stay, you know, abreast without having to invest tons and tons of time reading tons of titles because these crossover things are it's a lot to read <laughs> oh my god i i don't know how people did it before the internet because yeah. the internet tells you exactly what to read and when but yeah. anyways back to the last question yes. up to you so it's going to become very relevant for me soon but what advice would you give to teenagers that need to act like merfolk so, and I'm going to have follow-up questions, obviously. Go for it. Does this mean professionally or just for performance? Or is this, give me give me more detail so I can answer better. Or is okay. that the trick? Is that, that's, I have to answer just that question. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, okay. so if you what somehow, you <laughs> no, I was like, kids, if you actually don't listen to me and listen to my stuff and protect, me and the kids I coach, we pretend I don't have social media. It's our agreement. I'm like, look, my right. stuff is public. Come laugh at a TikTok. Do not like it. Share it amongst each other. I don't care. Don't follow me. So right. in theory, they don't know I have this podcast. So in case any of you ever do, <laughs> do not keep listening <laughs> or skip ahead like a time. And yeah, so our competitive. Oh, wait. Yes, I could say it. Our competitive season is coming up for Winterguard, which is like flags okay. and doors. Right. Mermaid, they're mermaids. Oh, fun. I mean, so this is like a performance aspect thing, right? Yep. Dance. Yeah. Yeah. I no think, dialogue. You know, I think one of the things I know I do personally, because sometimes people do ask for not instruction or advice on lots of aspects of professional mer work. And I always try to say, well, what worked for me? Because every situation is so specific. What worked for me as a gay male work in Los Angeles may not work for you if you're a 14 year old girl in Idaho. Like it's going to be a different framework. Mm -hmm. But I think what I think of a lot of performance wise is the fluidity of water, especially for dancers. There's such a fluid movement. And I think imitating or connecting to water is a really cool way to visually connect to the mermaids. Cause I don't know, you know, costume wise, if their feet are going to be together, if there's like themed and stuff like that. But I think there is a serenity. I think there's a flow to mer people that I think can be used in performance wise, if that's what they're doing. So fun fact, this is a podcast. They can't see that I show you. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And... I think flow and movement is a great way to connect with the, Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Oh, that looks great. Yeah, I think, you know, and even just watching mermaid movies, mermaid TV shows, there's so much more mermaid media out there than there used to be. 
But um, yeah, I, that, that's really exciting. I think if people are having a hard time connecting to Merfolk, that movies and TVs were a great way to start. Because you can probably find a character you like, whether it's you love Ariel, or maybe you're a little more sexy, mysterious, and you're more of a siren TV show type person. I think those archetypes in film and TV, once again, back to media, are a great resource to see what other people have played Merfolk. Because they're all different, and they can be anything you want them to be. But there's definitely some core performances like, you know, Daryl Hannah and Splash and things like that, where how did this person play this character? But I think performance-wise, look and attitude, and that, that goes a long way, you know? Oh, I guess I could ask you this too. What kind of makeup? <laughs> no, I uh, meant should they oh. should I aim for them? Oh, you know, I mean, you know, it's a great uh, reference point for makeup looks. Pinterest. Okay. I think Pinterest is great because there are so many makeup examples, and I find beautiful stuff on Pinterest all the time. So I think Pinterest is a great place to find inspiration and ideas for mermaid makeup literally anything you can search will pop up and i've definitely used reference points from makeup looks i found from pinterest and obviously blues and greens are very obvious and uh maybe big rhinestones or glitter because i'm assuming they have to read far away so maybe i would say makeup should be bigger than they want it to be Sometimes people do their makeup for performances as if they're interacting one-on-one, -on -one, and sometimes they're trying to read across a field. So it's like, no, this isn't the makeup you'd go out in to have dinner. This is show makeup. So don't be afraid to go bigger and really brighter and broader because you needed to read from a distance probably. Yeah. Um, I would ask you about hair, but your hair is pretty short. <laughs> hair is short. So wigs, if people want long hair. Well, most so of them do have long hair, so I was like, oh, perfect. I got to figure out what they need <laughs> to do for People, that. lots of mermaids like mermaid waves. I'd say mermaid waves is the most easy thing that people identify with where, you know, beach waves or some texture in the hair or girl puts their hair in a braid and they take it out and there's nice soft waves. Natural, organic kind of like waves in the hair I think looks pretty mermaidy. Okay. If we're talking about archetypes, you know, if we're talking about the classic mermaid who's combing her hair on a rock, she usually has beachy waves, and it's usually not pin straight because she's in the water. So big, long, wavy usually is what people think of for merfolk. Cool. Um, yeah, I was because as much as I am like very pro, hey kids, everyone here has different hair texture because I'm lucky enough right. to teach a very diverse diverse group of kids. Uh, <laughs> I'm usually like, figure out what you can do. I'm not going to dictate it. Yeah. But sadly, our judges are old and they need archetypes sometimes. So I'm like, I might have to guide a tiny bit more this time. You can go classic, right? You can go classic. Like, look at any old picture of, you know, a mermaid and art and things like that. And sometimes the most obvious can have the most impact sometimes. So... The thing I'm excited about is my kids love to dye their hair, and I fully encourage it. I'm like, yeah, you're in high school. Now's the time to dye your hair before you have to yeah. get a job, right? Yeah. So, like, the fact that they're going to be mermaids, I'm like, yes. That's <laughs> the other fun thing, hair color, yeah. The whole thing with them is they are like, do we have to match? Because a lot of coaches are very strict about hair colors, like only natural colors or has to match mm -hmm. the show. I'm not like right. that at all. But no matter what I they do now, it's going to match. <laughs> yeah. 
I love that. And there's so many great options too for temporary hair color where it's spray in or there's chalk or colored extensions. You can do so much great stuff without it being permanent. But yeah, people love merfolk with blue and green hair. They do. It's such an easy identifiable like, oh, that's a water person. Yeah. Yeah. And like one of my kids right now, she has natural, really, really gorgeous brown hair, but she has an ombre into like a pastel pink. And it looks pretty. so natural right now. And I'm like, oh my God. If That's only pretty. you knew. <laughs> if only yeah. you knew what the show theme was. Oh, they don't know. They don't know yet. And they're not going to know when this airs. So that's why I'm saying, kids, <laughs> do not listen. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Technically, we're not supposed to reveal our shows until like way later. But like, I'm not like that entirely. I don't want them to know yet. They're going to find out six days after this airs. Okay. That's really cool. That's a fun theme. I think that'll be good. Yeah, I'll send, I'll send you everything because... Please. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Okay. But uh, here endeth the main question portion, everyone. But real fast, we got to plug in the commercials. So because we talked about makeup and I'm going to be using Surreal Makeup, this is, they support our show. I know you have your own deals. So everyone, listen to me. <laughs> Surreal Makeup started in 2011 after their owner became allergic to certain ingredients in store brand makeup. Since then, the brand has grown into something amazing. Their makeup is made with the highest quality ingredients available and is hypoallergenic, naturally water-resistant, and super vibrant. My sister's allergic to, like, aloe, and she doesn't even react to this stuff. Like, they're so hyperallergenic, and, like, a lot of the time if you meet them in person, they'll swatch you, and they'll ask you, and they might even make something for you. Like, it's just a small company. I love it. And they last forever, the color. <laughs> That's so good. I mean, yeah, so many people do have makeup sensitivities and makeup in general isn't one size fits all. And I also have a, a friend who's allergic to aloe and they're like, it's in everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't realize that you're allergic. They're like, aloe is in every single skin product and even food and stuff too. So the fact that it's hypoallergenic and vibrancy is really good and water resistant for performers, that's key. That's great. Yeah. Fun fact, people. So I don't know if you see Jax. I have a fish tank like right behind me. Oh, I do. I, yeah. I found out like yesterday that the water deconditioner to dechlorinate my water has aloe in it. And I'm like, why on earth? That's so, it's in everything, right? It's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. For those who aren't allergic, it is a great moisturizer. So I fully recommend it on your face anyway. But yeah. But check it out. Yeah. That's, that's so great that the makeup company is hypoallergenic. That's huge. You know, people mm -hmm. didn't have lots of options back in the day, and that's cool. Vibrant, water-resistant, hypoallergenic. That's pretty good. Yeah. So, <laughs> Jax, here comes your favorite part. <laughs> Are you uh -oh. ready for rapid fire? Oh, my gosh. I forgot about this. I yes, absolutely. <laughs> I totally forgot about this because we've been geeking out. Okay, yes. I think I'm ready. Okay. So, remind me. I'm just – tell me what we were doing for rapid fire again. Okay, so for rapid fire, I just ask questions and you answer as honest and fast as you can. And half the time we tangent anyway, so it's not really rapid. I'll, I'll try to be more rapid. I tend to be a talker. I'm a talker too. <laughs> Look, we're two and a half hours in. But, I know. <laughs> well, they're going to edit out like a couple things. So I don't know what's no going to be for them. But yeah. in our life. Okay, and also you may recognize some of them. Some of them are different than last time. Ooh. Okay. Here we and go. And that's also the other reason why I asked if you listen to the show, because if you listen to like anything in season two, you'd know them. <laughs> okay. Well, that's fine, because then I get a chance to answer. So that's perfect. Exactly. So question number one, what are your chosen coping skills? Oh, chosen coping skills. 
I would say, I guess it's like, <laughs> see, I'm already not answering this quickly. I'm already, I've already ruined it. Um, I'll say reading right now is a nice coping skill. I think distraction is a good coping skill, healthy, healthy distraction. So I think reading is a really nice coping skill to chill out and recharge and rest and still enjoy yourself. Nice. <laughs> Fun story that you were like, oh, I'm not even doing this rapid. That was like one of the repeats. <laughs> oh, really? <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> Question number two, Team Edward or Jacob? I'm not a big Twilight fan at all. I respect its place. I'm definitely going to say, well, no, this is tricky. See, even your rapid fire, good. In general, I would say Jacob. I'm going to root for the guy that was a little more tan and was a little more organic. And maybe I just don't identify with being pale and sparkling. So <laughs> I think I'm going to go with Team Jacob. You don't sparkle as a merman sometimes? I do, but that's that that's sparkles in my lotion. That's not just when I go in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which direction should you cut your sandwich? Should I or do I? No. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, I mean, I guess I'm a classic uh, diagonal. I think, yeah, I think, I think I'm classic diagonal. That just makes more sense to me. I know there's differing views on w when you actually get the most out of like the cut, but it's still the same piece. So I guess it doesn't really matter, but I've always done diagonal. I did not know that was an argument. I just like asking these aesthetical questions. What is this argument? About. It's a thing, oh, you know, about cutting it down the middle or cutting it diagonal that, oh, you get more bites if it's cut down the middle, but it makes more sense to hold it as like a diagonal. It's the same thing like toilet paper, which way the roll should face. Like it's a polarizing conversation, apparently. Another polarizing conversation you probably don't know about is the TikTok one that was happening last year. Are there more doors or wheels in the world? Are there more doors or wheels in the world? I don't know. I would think reflexively there are more doors in the world because even in terms of car, many countries, not everyone owns a car. In tons of countries, there are not, every family doesn't have like three cars like in America. So I would say there's probably more doors. And see, people are like, well, what constitutes a wheel? What constitutes a door? Is a doorway without a door still a door? Um, hell. And then people were also making an argument that the heart valves are doors because they open and close and let things in and out. That's too much. Let, let's keep it. <laughs> let's keep it physical, right? I'm going to say I think there's more doors than wheels in the world. That was not a question. I was just yeah. going off of the fact that... Officially, though, I'm going to say more doors. I could be wrong. Call in, doors. people. Let me know. <laughs> I said doors. So, yeah. yeah, let us know. I will happily go back and forth with you on this. <laughs> All right. What direction should you fold your napkins? Which direction should you fold your napkins? I don't think I've ever thought about this. I guess it depends on the napkin, but this may be the opposite of my bread. I think I'm very classic, just kind of fold in half with a napkin, I think. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you might be able to answer this with a specific lens, but what gift would you want to get from a fairy? Anything. I mean, reflexively, for some reason, I thought about having like powers or abilities because we were talking about in comics and things like that. And I think probably one of the most useful gifts would be a shapeshifter. 
So I think that would be really cool. If I could have a gift, I'd like to be able to fully shapeshift. I think that'd be incredibly useful and advantageous and yeah. Left or right Twix? <laughs> and I still don't know if there's actually a difference. I don't think there is. But maybe I'll just say, I tend to be left of center in lots of ways. Maybe I'll just say left. You're a righty or a lefty? I'm a righty. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I always tell people I'm a lefty at heart, but... <laughs> Are you ambidextrous or... I think I taught, taught myself how to be ambidextrous, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Like, I am actually physically stronger on the left side of my body. Interesting. And like in dance, if you do dance, I'm a left turner, which is very weird. You're usually like the same. My hair parts right. to my left, which we talked about last we time. Talked about, but, yeah. But no, I'm such a righty, but I don't know. Maybe I was determined. <laughs> Interesting. What's a trend that went too far? Oh, there's so many. A trend that went too far. A trend. <sighs> You know, it's funny, and because I have a different view on this short version, Jax, short version. Um, I thought the ice bucket challenge was kind of silly for the longest period of time. But I just read that with all the funding that that challenge raised, they have made some big, like, advances and discoveries with all the... So it's like, never mind, I was wrong. It seemed like the silliest, most trendy thing, and how is this actually helping? But it seemed like it did help. So I'm very cool. I'm very happy to be wrong about that, that it did actually make a difference. I was just thinking that when I listened yesterday, I was like, oh, they just came out like two days ago about like, hey, guys, research helped. Yeah, the donations I was like, did. that's cool. That wasn't just some trendy thing or people like, look, I'm helping. I'm dumping ice on me because it started to become very trendy and people didn't understand the why they were doing it. They were just doing it. And that's when a trend has gone too far. What is one thing you would eliminate from life? <laughs> Oh my God, that's such a big question. I mean, the first thing that came to mind, even though it's not practical, anxiety. I think this world is such a better place if we didn't have anxiety. I know for myself, I struggle with anxiety as a performer and as someone who is an introvert that the world I live in can be very overwhelming. So I think anxiety could would help a lot of people who didn't exist. Grants and anxiety can keep us on our toes and can push us and motivate us. So it's tricky to get rid of it completely, but maybe the negative aspects of anxiety. So many people struggle with life being so hard for not any discernible reasons. So I would get rid of toxic anxiety. Oh, I like how you emphasize toxic because I deal with this every day in like day job, but I have to remind people anxiety is how we did not get eaten by dinosaurs. Right, right. <laughs> Fear keeps us alive. And it is important to have that aspect of it. So yeah, I'd say maybe people getting two in their own heads, the self-imposed anxiety so many of us do to ourselves, unfortunately. I'd love to get rid of that. This is one I cannot wait to hear from you. Uh-oh. Who would play you in a documentary or movie about your life? I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> and this is something I've been asked, you know, not my whole life, but, you know, people like, oh, who would play you? It's like, no one looks like me, is what I always think. When you're a mixed person, you don't always see people. It's getting better. You don't see people that look like you. So it's like, I don't think anyone really looks like me. But, and even though I am, you know, predominantly Asian American, like Filipino, 
there's no one to really pull from in terms of like the public eye, really. So usually I just default to someone who looks kind of Latin, maybe, or even like Middle Eastern, because I do look so mixed. So I don't know who would play me. This is a thing where maybe I should do a poll and ask my followers on Instagram, be like, hey, good question from, you know, the Shape of a Star podcast, who should play me? And I'll see what people think. Because sometimes people see things in you that you don't see. They'll be like, oh, you look like this person. And I'll be like, I do? And they're like, yeah. So I think it's interesting. Maybe I'll ask that question. I'll tag you and all that and say, who should play me? I would love, 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 love to be tagged and know. Because honestly, if we're talking practicality, I'm voting myself. Oh, yeah? There we go. <laughs> I, but remember, I'm also a horrible actor. I don't know if you want me to represent you, but... <laughs> No, it's just, you know, it's tricky because some people are like, oh, this person is so easy for them. And it's like, no one looks like me. And I, I appear differently to different people. So I would love to know who people think I look like or even maybe who they think I feel like or who has my vibe even. I think it'd be really interesting to see how people view me because I don't know who would play me. And that's why I chose myself because vibe-wise, we are so on the same wavelength most of the time. Yeah. And you said earlier, I look Hapa, which I admit I do. I don't know why. My DNA does not <laughs> lie. Um, and everyone thinks I'm Filipino anyway. And I think we could get yeah. away with it. I really See? do. That that probably makes the most sense. Because whenever I ask this, I'm like, I don't know. Nobody looks like me. I mean, I used to kind of think... And it's also like when you pick a known celebrity, it's hard for it not to feel egotistical. Because I'm like, well, this person's really good looking. <laughs> Is that why I'm picking them? Not because I think I'm very good looking, but just, you know, like people used to think maybe Jay Hernandez, if you know that actor. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Jay, right? No. No, uh, no, sorry, there is more. He um, was in Hostel and he was in like crazy, beautiful. He's a good looking Hispanic guy, but I'm not Hispanic. So it's like, I never picked him. So... Yeah, I think it's Jay Hernandez. Yeah. Oh, isn't yeah. he in, like, what's it called right now? Um, is he on something? Isn't he in, oh, God, it's the siblings. It's the X-Men. It's not X-Men Gerard Way. It's Netflix. Uh, they're all numbered. Oh, God. Oh, I don't know. I think Jay is, like, currently starring as, like, number two in something. But when she said Hostel, I, rem <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, yeah which is funny because i never saw hostile people just send me these photos but um yeah, yeah it's tricky it's, it's no one ever looks like me. i never feel like i see myself on screen so umbrella academy that's the show umbrella academy oh that's not oh which is the thing that's not who i'm thinking of but that guy's not a bad fit either i don't think oh crap i'm <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I thought of that guy, that he's kind of in that same wheelhouse that people tend to think I'm Hispanic or Latin, which is fine. So I tend, people tend to think I look more like that vein. Like, Louis Tan is great. I look nothing like him. But maybe if it's an action film, I'm picking Louis Tan. <laughs> oh, I'm so stupid. I was just watching Bad Moms. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, yes. Bad Moms. Christmas. I don't remember if he was in the first Bad Moms. He's in the first Bad one. Moms Christmas. Okay, yeah. I like be like him. Hey, I think we're kind of the same age range too and stuff. So He's he may 44. be a little shorter than me. Yeah, we're in the same box. That is true. I'm too short to play you. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm tall, but I'm getting taller for Hollywood. Yeah, most people I'm are five, five ten or lower. Like yeah, that's me. So <laughs> okay, cool. Jay Hernandez. 
That was a good I, one. I'll just throw that out there. Yeah. Still ask your followers because I'm dying to hear I'm what they to. think. I'm going to. I'm sure I'm going to be mortified by some of these suggestions, but we'll see. But it's already nice. I'm already getting soft inquiries um, for Namor from Wakanda Forever since they've made him, you know, I mean, he's not Hispanic. The actor is Hispanic. But since he has that mixed ethnic look, I'm already starting mm -hmm. to get some questions about that. And some of my friends have been wanting me to cosplay as Namor Forever. And I'm like, well, in the MCU, this is the closest person I look like now. So it's not the worst idea. It's not. And yeah. no, people were doing that with me too, but I'm like, I don't look like Shang-Chi either. So I don't know who <laughs> are like trying. China's very vast. Yeah. That <laughs> was a good Marvel movie. I enjoyed that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I liked how unapologetic it was and just, I don't know. It was cool. All right. Was back cool. to you. Okay. okay so back to me. Jay Hernandez is playing you in a documentary slash or movie about your life. Sure. What genre is it? <laughs> what genre is my life i mean i guess in a i don't know that is such a good question you don't want to just say drama or like you know what i'm hoping it would be a comedy I'm hoping it'd be a comedy with poignant moments and sadness and levels and all this stuff. But I'm hoping overall people could look at my life story and hopefully laugh, even if I couldn't, <laughs> at my own life. So I think I'm going to say a comedy. If you stick to the status quo, which clique would you be in? As an adult or just in general? Or Because I hear clique, I think high school. Yeah, if you were in high school... Mm. What click would it be? What's funny is, and I've talked about this with other friends, that I was not popular in high school. I was very introverted. I was very bullied. It, was, it wasn't a unique experience for an LGBTQIA person. Um, high school made me pretty miserable, and it was really, really hard. Made some great friendships, but high school was hard. Now, in the profession I work in, someone's like, someone said, oh, it's kind of like high school, but this time you're kind of part of the popular crowd. And it took me a second to be like, what? Because that's never the world I've ever lived in. I've never been in the popular crowd, usually nor would I want to anyway. But the fact that I'm a person in the public eye and what I do, and I'll just say sweeping generalization, I'm mostly respected. It is like, you know, it, it is so different for me to frame it that way, where it's like, oh, no, yeah, you're popular. And I was like, since when? <laughs> since when have I ever been popular? And, you know, I take the compliment because I don't think it has the negative connotations of what being popular is. But in the Murr world, I am someone who's in the public eye, and it's very weird to be liked opposed to the way clicks in high school worked because i didn't fit in the clicks in high school either you know i was mixed i was an athlete i was also in drama it was this totally different world where i didn't fit in at all anywhere and now i found a place where i think my differences this may sound cheesy makes me unique and makes me more interesting and has made me more of a well-rounded person that i did have those challenging years and i know what it's like to be on the fringe and i know how far kindness goes so, I mean, I think 
it's still something I can't, I can't say. I guess I'm in the popular clique. I can't say that. It sounds so stupid. But I think I'm in a public eye in a way that I feel comfortable with because hopefully people understand how genuine I am and how kind of there's no frills. Like, I'm pretty honest. I'm the same way I'd speak to you, the same way I would speak to a friend. Like, there's no different versions of me. Are and we not that friends? Through. We're not friends at all. No, but you know what I'm saying where it's like, people have different faces they wear depending on who they're talking to. And I feel like I'm the same person no matter who I talk to. And that's something I am proud of. So. Oh, yeah. Also, by the way, everyone, Jay Hernandez was apparently in Toy Story 4 too. Do you know I've never seen any of the Toy Stories? <laughs> really? Oh. I'm not the biggest fan of 3D animation. And so Pixar has always kind of been on the fringe for me in terms of Disney. And also I cry very easily now when I'm emotional. And I've heard that, you know, the end of the Toy Story series is like can wreck people. So I don't know if I'll be watching anytime too soon. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, here's the next one. Okay. What click should you have been in in high school? Should I have been in? I mean... What should I have been in? I don't know. I don't, like I said, my high school is so different because there usually are such classifications of like jock, nerd, drama geek. And I feel like I was so many of those things. So I don't know what click I should have been in. I think everything worked out probably the way it was supposed to, you know, that like the things I had to overcome and getting over being shy and being bullied, I think made me the person I am today. So you never want to thank the people who were abusive to you in life, but you want to give yourself credit for surviving and becoming the person you are today. So I think I'm happy that I was a total outcast and hung out with the goths and the weirdos and the people that no one knew what to do with. Those were my people. And I'm proud that those are my people because those are still kind of the people I work with. I'm still with kind of the freaks and geeks. And I think that's probably where I'll always belong. Aw, look at that, everyone. <laughs> Wholesome. All right, we're at the last one. You okay, ready? yes. If your life was a jukebox musical, what would be the opening song? <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. That's really, really hard. The opening song. <sighs> like, this is one of those questions I'm going to think about, like, tonight. It's going to be 3 a.m. I'm going to be like, oh, what's my intro song? What's my intro song? What is my intro song for my movie? Um, I mean, what popped in my head, and this is rapid fire, and I don't even know if this is a good answer, but just what we were just speaking about, maybe the Pussycat Dolls when I grow up. That, <laughs> you know? It's such a silly song, but coming from a painfully shy, introverted, little geeky kid in glasses to someone who is half naked performing in front of thousands of people sometimes that's a huge jump i made and i think i am proud of kind of how i grew up so and i just love the pussycat dolls in general <laughs> but that song came to mind that could be a fun intro i'm trying to grab the gaze for the film so so everyone you heard it here first this is why i love to end with this question because it's such a good wrap-up you're gonna have jay hernandez starring as roman jacks in a comedy singing when i grow up I mean, that's not the worst movie. I see way worse movies than that, right? So right. that's funny, you know, when I grow up. 
Let me know what you figure out at 3 a.m. I'm going to keep thinking about it. I'm going to. I'm definitely going to keep thinking about it. Because I'm sure we're going to have a different answer every single day. Well, this is a great answer. So I'm down for it. Oh, but yes, that is the end of all the stuff. Is there anything you have to say to the world or whatever while they're listening? I mean, I'm just going to... I'm going to say thank you again for everyone listening and tuning in. I'm also going to apologize again for how long the podcast is. I'll apologize a second time for that we went into full geek territory that the second half of the pod was comics and video games and horror, which I appreciate, you know, you give me the chance to talk about because sometimes people don't want to know anything about me besides the tale. You know, sometimes you're just a figurehead and all I am is this half fish to them. But shock and surprise, I'm a human person with thoughts and feelings and likes outside of a profession I love, but there's more to me than just that. So thank you for letting me geek out on comics and video games and just, it, it's hard to find other people like that. So I had a really good time and I appreciate the questions and you keep me on my toes and I had fun. So thank you. This is always such a great experience. I really do appreciate it. Huh. You're welcome. And again, no, like I said, there were things that I have not been able to do riff about with anyone else. Like we are so similar and it shocks me, but I love it. (laughs) I think it's great. I'm always glad to find a fellow person because, you know, this world's hard and it's nice to find someone that you can just talk to, geek out with. And just if we can't talk about the little silly things that make us happy, life's pretty tough. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, I have no other better way to wrap that up than everyone. Thanks for listening and go. Oh, where can people find you? You can find me at Merman Jacks on most social media. I'd say Instagram is my most up to date current thing. So, yeah, please check out my Instagram, Merman Jacks, and check out my new LA Times article. And I got a bunch of other great stuff coming up some more Brett Stanley photos. I have some big, huge news that I can't talk about yet that's international and just there's lots of good things coming up and thank you for everyone for tuning in and for any of my supporters i really appreciate it and i appreciate this podcast because it's a lot of fun yeah feel free to recommend people i'm down to interview almost anyone very cool i will do that yeah all right world so I don't know. I had to think of a new jingle thing to say at the end. But anyways, catch us next Orbit Satellites and stay safe. Tune in next week because I'm having so many episodes appear as hot topics lately that there is an episode like almost weekly now. So, woo. That four season finale episode is going to be so long. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, world.